0: well hello uh good morning good afternoon good evening and uh good middle of the night to you wherever you may be it is um friday the no it's not it's thursday no it's tuesday it's wednesday see i just thought i've got to start off with a bit of a mess at the beginning it wouldn't be the same would it it's thursday the 15th of february 2024 and this is paul english live welcome to the show been a week here where i've been maybe it's been a week where you've been as well it's good to be back uh we had a good show last week with dave Gahari and we've got another good show lined up today returning guest dennis wise was with us about five weeks or so ago Uh, This week is, um, well, it's a special sort of week. Uh, It's a special week in a good way. It's also a special week in a pretty bad way. And uh, because this is a show that looks at things at times on the dark side, we're going to be starting off there. Be having some musical interludes as well, like we always do. Yeah, hello everyone, and welcome back to the show. As I said, it's actually Thursday, of course. I didn't know what day it was, I just thought uh, I've got to start it off in a silly sort of way. And um, Thursday, the 15th of February, and <coughs> of course, yesterday was uh valentine's day uh, known for a few things uh chocolates i think and roses and sweethearts and kisses that's definitely goes on i hope it went on for you, you maybe think that's all a little bit awkward actually nobody sent me any but then i wasn't really expecting any i've had plenty of valentines throughout my life of course they're all a little bit awkward and strange and fun aren't they but um uh, that was the good side of things. So if you got your fill of chocolates and flowers and nice love letters, well done. <laughs> I'm not necessarily expecting that you did. But uh, if you did, fantastic. Um, it's also known for a massacre, isn't it? There's the St. Valentine's Day massacre, was it in Chicago? Certainly in America somewhere uh, that took place. Um, that was quite um, uh, a devastating event, but not as devastating as the big event that we're going to start the show off with at least today which is to do with um, February the 13th 14th and 15th there might have even been a fourth day actually my guest will know Uh, in 1945 uh, this month in 1945 79 years ago to uh, to this day uh, there were a series of hellish bombing raids that took place in Germany they've been going on in more than just this town but Dresden has gone down, as been uh, an apocalyptic event, which I think it was, Um, a true holocaust, uh, as it was fire, literally burning and killing hundreds of thousands of people. We're going to look at that as well. And uh, my guest tonight, um, who knows quite a bit about this, and as I said, was here a few weeks ago, is Dennis Wise. And Dennis, welcome to the show. How are you on this, well, for me, relatively warm winter evening? How are you?
1: I'm fine, thank you. I have Since Christmas, I've developed a taste for baby sham. What? Um, And since then, yeah, I'm not a great drinker, but I certainly like the taste, and here I am with a little glass.
0: Of baby sham? Yeah, baby
1: sham. uh, Sounds sounds very uh, tough, doesn't it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know what it makes me think of is uh, old northern (coughs) drinking habits and customs at the bar where the bloke could go in and say... A pint of mild, please, and a baby sham for the little lady. Do you remember that sort of yeah, well, turn of phrase in the 60s and stuff? How times have changed? <laughs> so, so what's happening? The, the, the women are all drinking beer and you're on the baby sham now. Fantastic. Well, I didn't know yeah, they think, still I made think,
1: it. I think the wife's downstairs, we're kind of laggishly. So You'll be right.
0: Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow! Fantastic. Okay, so everybody, if you're out there listening and you too are drinking baby sham, let us know in the rumble chat, will you? It's very important. Um, baby sham. Maybe it's going to make a big a big comeback. I don't know. It certainly has done tonight. I'm feeling a bit less than I've just got apple juice, Dennis. I mean, you're already same sort of one up on is, me.
1: Same thing, mine's a bit more sparkle. <laughs>
0: There is that. Now I mentioned to you when we were talking, Just I think one way to kick this off would be with this clip I've got. Now people may have heard it before. Um, It's from actually the BBC. You may not have heard of them. They actually used to be sort of quite good, but in recent times, i.e. this entire century, they generally tend to prove day after day after day that they're a bit of a joke. But this is from an interview that was conducted, I'll give you the names afterwards, on a breakfast morning show, um, I think in 2015, so it's about nine or ten years old. And I've used this clip, uh, I think, once before, maybe five or six years ago. But I dug it up today because I think it's relevant. So this is nine minutes long, everybody, but it's very relevant. And it's a highly personal account of Dresden. Here we go. I'll tell you what, I've done that thing that I always do. Let me just stop that. <laughs> One day. Now, we'll start off with the right volume. Here we go. Let's start again.
2: Allied forces dropped thousands of bombs on the historic German city of Dresden. Historians consider it one of the most controversial campaigns of the Second World War because civilians seem to have been targeted deliberately by British and American planes.
3: The attack lasted for three days and killed around 25,000 people. Commemorations will take place in the city today. Among those taking part are two survivors who shared their experiences with us.
4: My parents suffocated in the cellar, and out of the 14 people there, I was the only survivor.
5: It was terrifying. At first I thought it was the end of the war, but when it didn't stop, I believed it was the end of the world. On our streets,
4: all I saw was rubble,
5: rubble, rubble.
4: Burned houses and people searching for loved ones. They had no belongings anymore and the dead were everywhere.
3: Well, another survivor of the attacks in Dresden is Victor Gregg, who was a prisoner of war when the bombings began. And we're very pleased that Victor is with us now. Very good morning to you, Victor. Uh, We were just hearing then some of the first hand eyewitness accounts from those Germans who survived. Tell us how it was that you were in Dresden at that time?
2: Well, I would presume they've already told you, but uh, how was it? It was evil. Uh, I don't really know what you expect me to say when you say how was it. Thousands of firebombs dropping all over the place, explosions, heat, fire. people screaming, people burning, people alight. Well, it wasn't uh, after about uh, half an hour, it it started developing into uh, something which was really bad. It it started off, uh, it started off rather tame, actually, the first first five or 10 minutes. The very first wave, uh, as far as I can remember, the mosquitoes dropped the uh, the uh, lights, the fairy lights, and uh, and then the first came, uh, lot came over and, and uh, dropped all these incendiaries. Uh, and then, uh, of course, as wave after wave came over, uh, so uh, the impact got heavier. It uh, it is about uh, thirty five minutes, forty minutes after the first. Bombs are dropped. That the bomb dropped outside the building that we was in, and uh, killed killed my mate, Harry, and uh, and about three quarters of the people in there were killed. And so you go out and uh, you come out of there, and the whole place is a furnace. It's a furnace, because we were in the centre of Dresden. And the wind hadn't grown up by that. The, the fire really—it it, although it, although it was you know bad, naughty, horrible. It was the uh, it was the second wave which really brought the tornado into being, because then they started dropping the four thousand pound, you know, blockbusters and four thousand pounds of nap arm, which if it dropped anything. Within about three hundred yards, was immediately incinerated. So, uh, and then to feed the fire, so you get the wind coming in. Uh, and that—that's really tornado force, and you—you you just can't. You—it's—it you, dehumanizes everything. That, anything that you've experienced before. I've been through six years of war. I'd lost all but three of the 28 blokes I joined up with in 1937. Uh, I'd been in every battle in the Middle East. I'd been in Italy, I'd come home, I'd been captured at Arnhem, but nothing prepared me for seeing women and children alight and flying through the air. Nothing prepared me for that. Uh, Before Dresden, I was uh, just an ordinary... I could look at people get killed. Well, so they dead. But uh, after Dresden, I was uh, uh, in that case. I was. Uh, it just sent me. Uh, it took me. Uh, it took me forty years to get over it. And I, I don't. I, I don't think I even laughed for forty years. I couldn't, I couldn't even laugh at anything. But Dresden itself. <laughs> yeah. You see people stuck in, they try to cross cross over to us a group of them because I was on a bit of grass with these firefighters and we'd come back because it was too hot and we came back to get some clean air, or what we could call clean air, for 10 minutes have a breather. And uh, this group tried to cross this road and the first lot of them got stuck in the middle of it. They couldn't get away. And in the end, they caught a light. They were still alive, and then they, and then, and then, uh, the, then they exploded. It's, it's, you can't, you can't talk about it. You can't talk about it because nobody who hasn't experienced it can't. Their mind can't. They can't, can't grasp it.
3: And for you, Victor, what you said that it was 40 years before you came to terms in any way with what happened. What were how you did you not
2: speak about it at all in that no, time? No, no, I never even. I, I think my, my I think my, my, family thought, as far as the war, the war was concerned. I think they thought I was on a cook's tour. Uh, I come out because I was in India in 1938, and then we went to Palestine, and I was in Palestine when war was declared, and it never let up then right the way through until I came home from Italy ready for the second front. Because by that time I'd left the right brigade and I was in 10th Para. Was it a turning point for you when you viewed how the Allies were tackling what was seen as an evil
6: menace at that point?
2: I thought... It, uh, I, I, I never blamed the airmen. I never blamed them because... Uh, they was the same as the same blokes in the Merchant Navy they are putting their life at risk every time they went, went up and they lost a lot of men 50, 55,000 but uh, I said and I still say and I've said it in print and I've said it on broadcast I never forgive the people who ordered those raids and that goes for all of them Churchill Attlee all of them uh, whatever they can say Because uh, as soon as it came through, after about two weeks, and it started sinking in, because uh, between that, they were still carrying on bombing other cities like this. And then, of course, they tried to uh, put the blame on somebody else. Uh, But, uh, no, no, we were supposed to be the good guys. Uh, We was uh, going to war to rescue Europe from the evil of the Third Reich. And we finished up being worse than they were. I'm not. I'm not going to say we. Because uh, what what make, annoys me is all this was done in our name. And I felt I I I, I, uh, I, I felt it, it really it really whacked me. It did it really wake me to think that that I, that I, I belong to a nation who was responsible for what was going on in that city that night.
3: Victor, Victor. Re- would really like to thank you for sharing your experiences with us today. And I can report, you won't mind me saying, Victor, you're 95. 90, is it 90, you're 96? Is that No, like, 95?
2: no, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I've gone 95. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, getting even older. It happens to us <laughs> well, all. Well, I was
3: going to say, I can report that Victor has, still has a very firm handshake. Uh, it's been a pleasure to meet you this morning. Thank you. Thank
0: you so much.
7: Thank you very much.
0: Victor Gregg there and uh, it's an amazing testimony and I've had that on file ever since he recorded it according to the log 2015 and if you look him up you'll find a lot of things on Victor Gregg an astonishing life there he died, he passed on the 12th of October 2021 he was born on on the 15th of October 1919 so he was 102 years of age when he passed and uh, the fire in him uh, uh, obviously i've used that word intentionally took a long time to go out and there was a tortured soul there at the end dennis i'm assuming you've probably heard that testimony before
1: not that actual testimony but i have heard testimonies of other pilots uh, yeah who actually admitted that they knew they were going to bomb refugees uh, and, and civilians uh, yeah the pilots have been told that there around a million uh, people that were re- retreating with the troops uh, inside the city limits. Uh, and the briefing and the orders were to cause panic and confusion behind the German lines uh, as the German army was retreating from the Soviets uh, in the east. Yes. So, you know, obviously they were given the orders, but, uh, you know, like the, the gentleman just talking, it must have been traumatic.
0: Uh, a lifetime's worth of tra- trauma. I think so. It's. I mean, it's in a way, it's kind of awkward as well because you know, there he is, a Brit trapped there. You know, we need testimonies. There are testimonies, obviously, from the German people, and it's all those innocent German. Women and children, as he was talking about, just uh, killed for literally no purpose whatsoever, although there will have been a purpose, and I'm sure you're going to address that, Dennis. I'm just using that as a turn of phrase. There is a purpose to these insidious things.
1: I believe so, yeah.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and I think we'll touch upon that. I remember you were talking about the airmen there. I mean, obviously, uh, these telling numbers, what, 28 of them joined up in 1937. There are only three left at the end of it. So that just gives you an idea of the death, you know, the death that he was surrounded by amongst his own, amongst his own colleagues yeah. and fellow soldiers, you know, it's, uh, it's a very high attrition enough. rate. Yeah.
1: yeah. Interesting enough, though, Dresden, uh, they pulled all the anti-aircraft uh, artillery out of the area and sent them to different parts of the country so actually the, the pilots could fly quite low because uh, there, there was no defence.
0: Because they assumed wrongly, obviously, that uh, the Allies would not destroy huge congrega- congregations, effectively of civilian population. Yeah. That's exactly what it was, and the yeah, beautiful yeah. city as well. I mean, architecturally, what was it called? Something on the Danube. I can't remember. They had a name, didn't it? I mean, it just—I've seen photographs of it prior to its uh, annihilation, as it were. Yeah, it was, um, a, it
1: was full of museums and beautiful architecture, and it, it just wasn't a military town.
0: No. You mentioned the airmen as well. I know I've got a line stuck in my head that at one of these briefings prior to some bombing run, because there was a lot of resistance from the airmen, they were appalled by They knew what they were doing uh, or what they'd been ordered to do. And one guy at the back had said at one point, oh, women and children first again, eh? You know, Mm. uh, in other words, not for safety, but for for slaughter. Uh, Interestingly, Ely Cathedral, uh, which is up near Norwich. Um, a couple of years ago, well I say a couple, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, they were digging up the floorboards there. They had to repair some floorboard or a wall, and they came across some graffiti. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Uh, no. And it was, they'd been doing the repairs during the war. I think uh, the last repairs had been done about 1943 or 44 during the war. And uh, the current workmen had come across, knocked down part of a wall, and there was some graffiti that they found of a Spitfire... That somebody had drawn on there, like a conscientious objector over here, somebody who knew what was going on. This Spitfire was strafing a drawing of a woman and a child at a bus stop in Germany, with some and some foul words were written about Churchill on the thing. You'll be pleased to know. So you see, this sentiment about these so-called leaders is was something that was very strong with certain people. Understandably, when they found out what had been done in our name, supposedly. Well, they're not having my name behind it, they can get lost, you know, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, well, I cover in, in, in the first documentary, The Greatest Story Never Told, uh, Part 12 about Operation Gomorrah, which included Hamburg and Berlin, where, you know, the targets were deliberately aimed at civilians. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Harris and Churchill had got their heads together and. And like I said, I'm going to cover another aspect of it, taking from The Secret Masonic Victory, which is the third part. Uh, sorry, the third document, which again is part 12, which I believe is, is, is the reason for these massacres, which have gone on for centuries now.
7: Mm-hmm.
1: Which, uh, you know, some some viewers may agree, some may not, but I, I do believe that these are actually blood sacrifices.
0: Well, they seem to work into warfare all sorts of other sort of ritualistic, you know, what we would call nonsense, but it's not nonsense because a lot of people end up paying with their lives. They're quite happy to have other people killed, just as long as they can get through their particular agenda and what they're doing. Um, And Dresden is particularly awful because um, because of the intent behind it, because it was not necessary, because it was, what, three months from the end of the war, if that? They already knew it was over. And I know it's covered in great detail. The reason why the the city was so swollen with people was because most of them were running away, understandably, from the onslaught from the Red Army in the east, and they'd been driven into Dresden. So it was... uh, I I know in Hellstorm, which I've narrated, and um, listeners here may be familiar with Hellstorm, book by Tom Goodrich, which is exacting and exhausting in its detail of this slaughter. And... uh, it's, I don't know what to say about, you know, here's a book. It's not the sort of thing you'd send to someone at Christmas. Tom knows that too. Um, but it's outstanding. Um, it's outstandingly awful book. And I mean that in the best possible sense of it. And, of course, they were innocently out, strolling around. On uh, They thought they'd gone after one day, and they couldn't believe that they would actually do this on Valentine's Day. And that's something else that seems to reek of a ritualistic process taking place, do you not think?
1: yeah well yeah and i, I think the, the official account of the dead is something like twenty-five thousand. Mm-hmm. but that's all that's only the people they could recognize because an awful lot of people you couldn't recognize the lots were liquidated in the cellars below in what were makeshift bombs you know, <clears throat> bomb shelters uh i think you know people tend to agree that the casualties were quite a number higher
0: Oh, I think so. I I don't think we can buy into anything that's coming out of the mainstream press. The idea is to minimalise this event and to maximise other events to the advantage of certain groups, even to this day. I got an article sent to me, by the way, um, from uh, Andy Hitchcock about two or three weeks ago. So shout out, Andy. Thanks for this. Um, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. It's from Russia Today. Not a place i go to and in fact it's not possible uh, in the uk now to go directly to russia today i think you get we're kind of geo-fenced and uh, you can't get through You're to the
1: end. same with press tv yeah they, yeah they just they just wipe it off the screen
0: they do uh this is an article though this is shows you how bizarre things are getting in terms of who's making what arguments and, and the latest stage of spin this is from earlier this year a month ago uh, 17th of january And the headline, I'll read a couple of paragraphs from you to get the flavour of it, Russia denounces historical vandalism, unquote, in Dresden. German authorities have removed a memorial to civilians killed by the 1945 US-UK bombing. And it says this, Dresden's removal of the Altmarkt memorial is an, quote, act of historical vandalism, Russian Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Zakharova has said, accusing the German authorities of revisionism on behalf of London and Washington. You see how, how convoluted this is becoming. British and American bombers first struck Dresden February 13th, 1945, killing tens of thousands of Germans, many of them civilians. Several thousands were cremated at the Altmarkt, and for many years a stone bench on the square bore an inscription commemorating that until it was removed recently um, quote, the peaceful areas of Dresden were subjected to a completely disproportionate, terrifying bombing bordering on a war crime. Well, it is a war crime, Zakharova said in a Telegram post on Tuesday evening, suggesting that the UK and the US deliberately destroyed the city because it was assigned to the future Soviet occupation zone. That's the first time I've heard that one. Have you heard that one before? Was it assigned to them? I haven't heard that
1: one. No.
0: And it, so they're, they're basically saying that they're by removing it, they're trying to, you know, obviously reduce its impact in the historical record, which of course they are. But the idea that there's only 20,000, even now 25,000, is just ludicrous. I mean, it's, it is. As you said, you only have to go through any of the reports to get an understanding of the sheer amount of population that were in there and who came out. They didn't even know how many were in there, but they knew that it was absolutely packed to the gunnels. Um, it's... Uh, it, Remains to this day one of the most horrific aspects of World War II, and it, it reveals a sort of um, a spiteful venality. This is not... I mean, you know, we forget about this, I suppose, that during World War I, civilians were not targeted, I don't think, not to a great degree. I mean, what, a few zeppelins dropped a few hand grenades on London? Did well, they, they were at some all on point? the front line, weren't they? They were.
1: They weren't really towns bombs or anything like that. It was all soldiers on the front line, yeah. which I, I believe they agreed to, uh, during World War Two, originally.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, Mr. Churchill threw that out the window his first morning in office, didn't he? I think the very first morning he was in office, he ordered a bombing raid on German schools. Uh, the aim being to provoke Germany into bombing London. And these were yeah, these. They
1: couldn't, keep, sorry, yeah, they couldn't
0: keep the war going
1: without we, we this uh, retaliation, which obviously recreated the hatred from the British.
0: That's the only way they could keep the war going. Yeah. The whole... I mean, we see it today with the Ukraine thing. With all of these conflicts, they seem to follow a similar pattern. And I guess I'm of the view, maybe many listeners are here too, that they can't understand why normal people can't see this. But I suspect maybe many of them still can't see that they're being manipulated through the media to come up with an emotional response, which is completely bogus. Uh, the interesting thing, I think, Dennis, about... If you think about Britain, not that I was alive then, but 1936, 37, 38, I've certainly got a lot of, um, on my files, you know, letters to the editor and the Times, where the overwhelming sentiment is, we're not having another war with Germany, thank you very much. We don't want one. Why should we have one with them? It's ridiculous, and it was ridiculous, of course. But, of course, Mr Churchill needed one, didn't he?
1: Well, it's just like today. people can go on, A million people can go on a march to say, don't, don't bomb Iraq, but they're totally ignored.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're totally ignored. I mean, I think it's... I was listening to someone the other day talking about marching. I mean, I don't believe in marches. I don't believe in petitions. I don't believe in signing anything addressed to a government because they've demonstrated that they don't listen to us. So why would you get involved in a process of pleading with your jailer, as it were, to open the door up and let you out? Please let me out. That's what it reeks of, a desperate sort of... I think it's a poor tactic myself.
1: Well... You know, we, we we can't come on here and in, incite revolution. But if you look back through history, that's the only way things have ever changed.
7: Yeah.
0: Right. How are we going to do that then?
1: <laughs> well, that's that's not my decision.
0: <laughs> Mine neither. Me neither. But we must communicate these things. They've actually got to be communicated. I mean, obviously, um, I've done I've done about three or four shows on Dresden, and I'm sort of exhausted with it. I don't mean it just wears you out. Uh, I was saying to you earlier, every time it comes around to this time of the year, I get slightly upset because it's running around in the back of my head, having read so much on it five or six years ago. It's still in there. And you feel a bit like a broken wheel going round and round and round again with the same stuff. And yet the horror of it never leaves me. I mean, there've been so many other different accounts as well that need to be pulled in together. I mean, Kurt Vonnegut Jr., um, who's now no longer with us, he wrote Slaughterhouse-Five. Are you familiar with that? No It's I mean It's a very entertaining novel But it's also a very dark novel It's the thing that I think broke him Made him famous Because he was in Dresden During the bombing uh, Was Vonnegut He was 19 I think at the time And he'd been captured Along with uh, A few other Americans And uh, He was on On i can't remember what duty was on he was like clearing rubble or something like that and he survived it because um somebody he knew locally uh said there's a slaughterhouse here in the basement we better get in there he was in there for three days you know, in this slaughterhouse, which was deep and dark and cold, and they managed to survive it. But he he deals with it with a very black sort of humour, but there's no getting away from the sheer devastation that he had to witness. He was 19 at the time. I don't know how old Greg would have been. When was he born? 1919? So he would have been 27, something like that, 24, 25, as a young man.
1: seen that as a teenager. Holy moly. It
0: me. Yeah. It does, so we're going to talk about this a bit more. Should we have a song, Dennis? what do you think? do you think it's time for a song? I tell it up to you your sure, show sure. <laughs> it's our it's our communication it's not my show it's uh it's our oh, communication yeah. with everybody out there let's uh you know i uh I asked people uh I've asked Dennis. If you keep coming back, Dennis, which of course you're going to do, we're going to run out of all your record collection. Actually, we're only barely scratching this. <laughs> we're only barely scratching the surface here, aren't we? Barely. Um And this will give me a chance. There've been a lot of comments in the rumble chat, so I'm going to try and go through these while whilst this is playing too. So um, we'll play a song, and then you can tell us a little bit about why you about why you chose this particular one, and we'll give the title of it after we've played it. Here we go. oh oh will we go just a minute doesn't want to play let me try the other one. Oh, that's interesting hang on just a second look at that that's outrageous why would it do that i normally play things all the t- i've got it sat here and i'm clicking the button and it won't go hello she's being alive hey you what I love this. This is great. It's become my trademark, Dennis. It's it's terrible. Whenever I'm doing... I've said it before. Yeah, whenever I'm doing things before. Come on, you bugger. I don't want to work. Right, let's just load it up again. Oh, something's gone very pear-shaped there. So let me just stop that. Just hold on, everybody. I've just got to... Whoa, let's just do this again. And, uh... Yeah. So, uh, and by the way, these uh, these songs they get the uh, they get the four thirty two hertz treatment. to all these things. So that's what that's what these have got as well. But I'm just having to boot things up again. Let me just get this in place. Let's have a look. Of course, it's all completely disappeared. There we go. But I know where it is. Mm-hmm. All right. Talk amongst yourselves. I'm just say I hope what? the song's worth it. <laughs> it's probably not now, is it? I probably completely uh, uh, messed up the whole thing. Hang on, just a minute. Here we go. Um, yeah, I don't know why I'm there. Now, where have you gone? No, that's not it. That's not it. You see, I've never had that happen before. It's obviously not my week. Where have you gone? Dumpty, tumpty tumpty tum La la la.
1: I do have a for do you want to start singing start it? At this? Well, no, <laughs> I, I was going to say it's an opportunity for people who want to want to find my documentaries. Uh, yes. The three documentaries I've done, you can get them. Uh, you can buy them at uh, uh And not only my documentaries, but books and, and other DVDs, which uh, are not really found in the mainstream. Excellent website.
0: They will. I'm going to talk a bit about that because I've been lending your video out, um, The Greatest Story Never Told. Found the song. Will it play? Here we go.
8: Attention all listeners, are you seeking uninterrupted access to WBN 324 talk radio despite incoming censorship hurdles? Well, it's a breeze. Just grab and download Opera Browser, then type in WBN324.zil. And stay tuned for unfiltered discussions around the clock. That's WBN324.zil.
9: The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on the World Broadcasting Network are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of its owners. Partners and other hosts, or this network. Thank you for listening to WBN 324 Talk
10: Radio.
0: Hello and uh, welcome back. You listen to Paul English Live here on WBN 324, as was just mentioned there. Also on Speak Free Radio, also going out on Rumble, also going out on No Agenda Tube, which I'm testing out. A PeerTube instance, uh, got an account there. Uh, So just looking at more and more platforms to get the message out on. It's. the second visit here for Dennis Wise. He's my guest here tonight. And Dennis, the song that we just played just then. The Arms of Mary by the uh, the uh, Sutherland Brothers. Why mm-hmm. that song? I, I hadn't heard that in years. I mean, I haven't heard that well, since I was a teenager, I don't think.
1: I'm a sucker for nostalgia. Yeah. And uh, obviously the song is about, you know, what most teenage males would remember... Has been the first love we all had. Our Mary, and this is a song about being in the arms of Mary. And every male teenager of that time could associate with that nostalgia. Simple as that. Really, happy memories. Yeah, we've
0: got to. Yeah, we have to throw a bit of light into all this darkness. We have to do that. It seems almost a bit incongruous moving from Dresden to a thing like that, but we have to do it. And and we're still on the topic. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've had. uh, um what's happened recently i don't know if i'd mentioned it here before but a an old friend um has passed away recently and i'll be going to his um memorial his funeral next week and uh, it's thrown up ever since i got the news about 10 or so days ago i've just found um i've been drawn into the past um which is a a very powerful sort of thing, particularly when you've kind of got one and you've been around a bit, and you and then you and then you go, oh good grief, I've been alive much longer than I thought I ought to be, and the time's flying by, and you go, what's really going on? And uh, uh, so yeah, a lot of those little teenage moments of um, uh, emotional out of controlness have been coming, memories of things like that, and that period. So I can understand why you picked that. I mean, that sounded to me. Uh, And thanks, Paul B, for the remix on that. That just sounded fantastic, so clear, really good. And I just, when was that? Early 70s, was it something?
1: Yeah, yeah, something like that. It was uh, in in my heyday. Oh, by the way, can I just mention uh, I got the website wrong? It's actually moneytreepublishing.com, not money publishing, as I said.
0: I I know. <laughs> I was going to I was going to do it anyway. It was yes. Yeah. So, I mean just to let everybody know Dennis is the auteur. It is the correct word. I know it sounds a bit posh coming from northerners like this, but Dennis really is the auteur of uh, several video, massive videos, in the sense that they address topics that hitherto have not really been covered in much detail. And I guess the most relevant ones at the moment are Adolf Hitler, The Greatest Story Never Told, which is relevant to this period of history we've been discussing over the first half an hour, and also The Secret Masonic Victory of World War II, and the entwining of the two, and all of these sort of cabalistic and other little processes and rituals that seem to be entwined in it. Now, you've you've alluded to that in the first half. What... Is there is a sort of more detail on that? Do you think it was, uh, do you think it was all lined up in some specific ritualistic way? And if so, do you, are you aware of where the sources may have been that sort of ordered it all or drove it through?
1: Well, if, if I can uh, briefly uh, paint the picture, we, we we have to go back to uh, the days of Elizabeth I and the court. Yeah. Uh, you know the royal court had a court magician called John Dee. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Dee at that time was uh, obviously into the occult, Uh, he he was the founder of uh, the Enochian language where he was supposed to have contacted, he says angels, some people say demons. Mm -hmm. Uh, And at that time uh, the Spanish Armada, we are told, uh, 30,000 Spanish troops were on their way over, England had no standing army. And so if the Spanish had landed, it would have been uh, a complete walkover. Mm -hmm. Uh, Suddenly there was a a great storm in the seas and the whole of the uh, Spanish Armada was was destroyed. Uh, And what the occult side of history says is that John had actually, below us are a life source called the microbes, which if at one stage in history had mentioned that, You'd have probably got put in a, a lunacy asylum. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but since the, the uh, development of the telescope, we now see all these little uh, forms of life. Well, yes. Ac- according to C.S. Lewis, at least, he says that we have a higher life form called the Macrobes. Right. And they, uh, at one point, were, were being uh, made contact by John Dee, uh, and they would give great lots of information through intuition, which would go through. Handed down to us people on this particular plane, uh, which many believe became the the start of the industrial revolution and and the great uh, wealth of the British Empire, all yes. coming from this tiny little army, uh, Ireland, sorry. And so, what people don't realise is uh, once that particular uh, armada was uh, was forsaken, shall we say? Uh, people on the ships were not allowed to dock so in a battle which hardly any lives were lost at all Mm -hmm. because of the storms taking out the armada uh, the sailors were kept at sea and the excuse of the crown was or people assumed was because they they didn't want to pay them but eventually 7,000 over 7,000 sailors died in a battle where not one ship was sunk and the reason I believe is because of this this deal with this higher entity which from that time on there's been many deaths even after wars were blood sacrificed because they asked for blood yes and John Dee John D asked them uh, oh, what do you want for all this information and they, we want blood and ever since then you've seen these massacres like Dresden, like Hamburg and then even after the war in World War Two, like Blueberg and other places uh, just simply killing mass civilians as a blood sacrifice. And all this can be found, obviously, uh, as I said, going to great detail in the uh, Masonic victory, secret Masonic victory of World War II.
0: I remember reading something about Churchill visiting where I am in West Sussex. There are certain sites around here which are like ancient sacrificial sites. I know of one not too far away. In fact, my a wife's father he's no longer alive he was a vicar a good one jolly good chap and he had um he had a parish around here i will name it but he had one it was near a wood and that wood is very very old and i've heard things since we moved into the area it wasn't intended that we came here but we just did it's how life unfolded that many sacrifices have been made on this spot um, and it wasn't far from the church where her father was the vicar when she was young um and we've been up there and it's got a certain sort of very dark energy as this wood. And I understand that there was a stone or something around here that Churchill would go to. I mean he was a druid, wasn't he? Whatever that might mean. I know certainly there are photographs of him dressed up as a druid. As the uh, queen. Yes. And this druidic order. And yet again, I'm not sort of having a go at druids. I just think it seems that every single organisation that you may think about, all of them, all of the orders, all of the sort of things that spiral off from religious orders and institutions, at some point they begin to go pear-shaped, as we would say over here. Um, and what you're addressing there, well, when you... Sorry.
1: No, I was just going to say, that it even goes on today when you look at abortion, especially in America. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the biggest holocausts everywhere, the 50 million babies,
7: mm-hmm.
1: you know, massacred. Or yeah. unborn, shall I say. And that's, you know, many people regard
0: that also as a blood sacrifice. Well, I've thought about that. Yeah, we think about that. I mean, we've got these laws that have been given to us by God, and when we actually ignore them, then this darkness creeps into the world, and it's more than crept in. It's sort of fully on display right now. It's all around us, isn't it?
1: Yeah, unfortunately.
0: You said something there that puzzled me a bit. that The bit where you talked about 7,000 sailors dying... So what nationalities were these 7,000 sailors? English. Ours. Right. Yeah, English okay. sailors
1: who were, were, weren't allowed to dock the ships back and saw so, uh, disease and scurvy eventually hit them and, uh, and they died. Uh,
0: well, and, and this is all around the Armada period, or is this over a prolonged period of time?
1: Well, no, this is, this is directly after the Armada. And, right. Uh, I think they were initially told to stop at sea because the Armada might come back, but obviously it was destroyed. But what mm-hmm. people don't realise is that there was... See, we never told the complete story. There's no, two more. Over, the armada was over a decade. There was two more armadas. Mm-hmm. Right, came over each one bigger than the first, and every one was destroyed within a storm. Now you can go to John D's website, and it lists a number of things he's famous for. And one of the things he's famous for is putting a hex on the Spanish armada. Right, I mean, it's it's never noted in history that the last the last Armada, there was 400 Spaniards actually landed on the beach at Cornwall. Really? Uh, And that really was the last, people talk about 1066, the last invasion. But 400 Spanish uh, sailors landed uh, at Cornwall and realised that all the other ships had been destroyed and so quickly left. Yeah, but that was actually the the, the the last thing. And you can Google all this. I mean, if if you know about it, you, you can usually find things. But uh, we're not taught
0: them. I need to jump into that one. I would imagine um, Maleficus and Shelley, who do the Kerno connection, all about stories of Cornwall and that part of the world, would be very interested in that. So, if they catch this show and have ca- caught your comments, hopefully they're going to get onto it. I'd like to know a little bit more about that. In fact, I'd like to know an awful lot more about that. You've mentioned it to me about a year ago that there were three, and I'm yeah. thinking, pro- you're probably right. You know, why were. <laughs> Why would you not be right? Right. Why is it that everywhere we look, once we blow a bit of dust off, something else starts to come up and there's another thread? I remember a quote from... I, now, I don't know who... He, I can't cite him by name, but somebody reasonably high up in the German high command um, being interrogated about war with Britain. And he said something very odd. He said, Britain never loses a war. He said, we, we won't win. And I'm thinking, what, this little... You see, it's weird to us, as if we are supposed to be roped into all this kind of stuff. And, of course, we have been, or historically our forefathers have. And and they were not knowing at the time, just like we wouldn't, we wouldn't have known exactly what was really at play. But there is something odd, you know, when you stand back and look at it. I suppose, I mean, I think about, in terms of sea power, obviously this nation is known for a period where it ruled the whole of the oceans, simply because, I mean, the main driver, that I, this is way after the Almada, but this is to do with Nelson, basically, you know, uh, winning the Battle of um, uh, Trafalgar. Well, um,
1: the, the thought of this little tiny island yeah. creating the, the biggest empire the world has ever seen, even bigger than the Romans, yeah. Uh, is, is, is mind-boggling. And that's only because of technology.
0: Yeah. I mean, an opportunity like that... Yes. And, and yes. look
1: at South Africa.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They were... They were Concentration camps for women and children, deported all the men abroad to an mm-hmm. island, yeah, and kept kept all the women and children. Just brutal, uh, but yeah, you know that's. I suppose that's how you conquered half the world, if not the third of the world.
0: And it all goes back. I mean, that isn't. I mean, the first concentration camps were in South Africa, weren't they? In the eighteen hundreds. Again,
1: Churchill, Churchill yeah. was down there. Where
0: he was down there, he was down there.
1: A, yeah.
0: yeah telling lies about his great exploits and everything like that where does that all come from i mean are the is it the case that you know the the upper classes over here are completely gone I've, I've had the view that there must have been at some point in history where they actually were relatively decent but then i wind it even all the way back to the norman conquest because something got into the into the bloodstream of the uh, of the people of these islands a thousand years ago when that happened that was yeah. That's changed something. so a ruthlessness came in with with these Norman people. I mean and then you find out how they became ruthless. And although I can't quote you the exact date I know that Charlemagne was uh carrying out a war against these Norsemen, uh which is what they originally were, that were in Brittany and that part of uh what is now France and um they were called to some kind of peace meeting. Uh, to parlay, to talk, and they were told to not bring any weapons, and 5,000 of them turned up, um, of these, of the Norse men, and uh, so therefore it's 5,000 out of their entire population, and these were the brightest that they got, the teachers, the thinkers, the, you know, the political chiefs, all that, and they were massacred. They were just, they were annihilated by Charlemagne's army. I don't know what the date is. Somebody may know this one. But it killed about four or five thousand. And I remember reading something along the lines of the remnant said, Oh, this is how the game's played, is it? This is what we have to be. And they almost like a, a cruel ruthlessness came into them, which I guess is what, as English people, as Saxons, we tend to, you know, signify with the arrival of the Normans and that William was not a good man. Um, uh, yeah, well, I think
1: there was links with Freemasonry as well when the Normans came.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: which which, is, which has never been good for wars I mean you look at the uh, the native Indian in America, you're not telling me we're a, we're a Freemason
0: I know it's hard to square things away isn't it, on, on, uh, it is On, on, I get confused myself and of course other people have a go at us and say look at what you did, you did all this stuff and go well I didn't do it and then I'm thinking okay, yeah. okay maybe we are the most evil people that ever lived but I don't experience that, I never experienced that growing up with normal English people you know, I didn't experience it no. with my dad. I don't. I didn't meet ruthless, awful, hideous people. And yet the power structure here, we feel it today. We are completely ignored. Yeah. We're totally exactly. ignored. We're completely yeah. ignored. We don't have, you know, people pretend, they let you pretend that you've got a voice. Go marching, write some, you know, you know sheets of paper saying you don't want this, that, go on, get stuck in. We're not listening. We're not going to listen. <laughs> and uh, they've never listened. Um, you know, I mean... The thing with Churchill sending thirty-nine peace offers to, uh, sorry, Hitler sending thirty-nine peace offers to Churchill, all of them intercepted by his agents, all of them kept hidden from the British public, uh, and it wasn't just Churchill himself doing this. There's obviously an entire circle of people around him, or a group of which he is a part, you know, ensuring that this news doesn't come through because we're supposed to have a war with Germany, who are effectively our kith and kin, are they not?
1: Yeah, well, I think. You know, if you, if you dig deep enough, you find Churchill is uh, not a person of honor. Uh, no, I think he's. You know, many <laughs> no, attributes to the guy, but not not one of honor. Yeah,
0: absolutely, not one of honor. Uh, just a shout out to everybody who's tuned in with us we're here on rumble and uh, several other places WBn speak free we're going out live over and we've got a we've got a good rumble crowd on today it's uh, it's kicked off Dennis you've got you've got drawing power which is excellent a lot of good comments in there if any of you get the urge to want to pitch into the conversation and join in you can do so uh, the place to go is uh, I'll, I'll give you the URL if you go to paulenglishlive.com forward slash call, double Or if you go to paulenglishlive.com website, you'll see a link at the bottom which says you can join the live studio. And of course, here we are, alive in the studio. So if you want to come through and uh, make a comment, add something to the conversation, you're more than welcome to do so. Um, And uh, we're discussing, well, things connected with that have led up to Dresden, but even things after it. So uh, this is, as I said earlier on, the 79th anniversary this week of what uh, I consider to be a war crime. Others consider it to be, you know, a jolly good thing, and they got what was coming. But um, uh, even more than a cursory glance at that, uh, really gives proof to that that has been a complete lie. So, yeah, so we're stitching it all together here, aren't we, Dennis? So it's, uh, we've got the Norman Conquest, mm-hmm. we've got the Spanish Armada, we've got John D, we've got Elizabeth <laughs> I, uh, we've got Elizabeth dad, Henry... Um, because I've mentioned here the Reformation, um, more aptly called the Devastation. I mean, when you look at these islands, I remember seeing something that since the advent of the Bank of England in 1694, this country, now I don't know, what I, this was a few years ago since I said it, but this country has been at war every year, apart from three throughout that entire period. Someone, somewhere, wearing some kind of British insignia or claiming to be of the British Army or this, that and the other. Was out waging war on other people, um, and it's it's almost as
1: bad as America's record.
0: <laughs> well, you know that basically they moved their base of operations predominantly, did yeah. they not, from here to there to with Washington, the conclusion yeah. of World War Two. Yeah, they did.
1: Yeah.
0: it was a transfer of power, and of course now they're chewing up America and Europe all at the same time. Um, by having invaded really all the political structures and the so-called power structures of the remnant, as it were, of our civilization, But it seems as though, certainly what you're addressing here with D, that, you know, all I can think is that we were compromised. Why is he bringing demons in on our side? What's that all about? Where did he get the power from to even do such a thing? I don't deny that it can't be done.
1: He studied the Kabbalah, didn't he? He, he, Jewish mysticism. Uh, Mm-hmm. He, he brought the rabbis over
7: uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and obviously they learned a lot more about that side of it,
0: which is a, a line of thinking they picked up when they were dragged off along with the Israelites to Babylon, as far as I understand, uh, six or seven hundred BC or so whenever the story goes. There's, I think, so, there's some, yeah.
1: some doubts about that in some ways. But is yeah, there what, what
0: the... go on, throw something in there? Confuse well,
1: me. I'm not, com- I'm not convinced <laughs> it were they who were. We' captive, I've got a world,
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean the the one I'd read is that you know in in Babylon, there were still demons there, and they were teaching stuff, and some of them went off and got drawn into that, you know whoring after other gods, as it were, and mm-hmm. that the root of this interfering with and the meddling with the affairs with our affairs kind of began there it's um yeah, so yes, John De's
1: operations not- the
0: yeah, I mean when when I did show 007, uh, which I did in the early days of doing I'm saying early days only a few months ago, but it's been uh, it's, it's it's taken much longer to sort of get up to speed with this than I originally anticipated. But I did we did 007 simply because um I could never do 007 again. It was only ever going to be show number 7. So obviously we addressed uh, Bond and we addressed D and cuz yeah, yeah. D, u- D used to sign his missives back to the court with um uh, what looks Did like 007, know. wasn't it? It was actually two zeros to, or to, I think, to replicate his eyes. These are, I am your eyes in this court. And then it was the square root sign over the top of it, which looks like a seven. And so I'm reasonably sure that Fleming said, <gasps> right, Bond's going to be 007, you know, and tapping into that because Fleming was obviously, I suspect, connected strongly with all this kind of stuff as well.
1: Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. Military intelligence, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I didn't go to those schools when I was young. Dennis, did you go to those schools where they taught all that?
1: Boris and David Cameron did, though.
0: Well, if they did, you know they're a pretty poor product of it, aren't they? Because they do come across as oafs. I mean, what are you supposed to say about these people? They're, well, that's they're very they're oafish, worried, aren't they? Yeah. What for playing the role of an oaf?
1: Well, <laughs> for playing the role that they're they're uh, requested to.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, they do that. And, of course, they've, uh, they're have they now trying to beat the drums of war again, uh, fatuously, it seems to me. Uh, I can't believe how sort of thin the whole argument is that they're putting across to to supposedly do that. But the other thing is there seems to be a new distraction about every three weeks, don't you think? It's something different. What is it now? Well, Charles. Charles is ill. That's the, That's the latest one, isn't it?
1: Well, if you look at things at the moment and the number of countries what's involved with the war in the Middle East and in the Ukraine, we basically are in World War Three. if you assume that a number of countries constitutes a world war. I mm-hmm. feel there's enough countries involved there to say that we are really in World War Three. I mean, Britain's just sent a lot of troops to Germany to i on a big exercising uh, mission, but you know, I've heard that story before as well.
0: But we, I didn't think we even had any troops. What did, they, what did that guy say he was in charge of it? He said, we've only got 55,000 troops. I mean, it's not even anything much. He can get more in a football stadium these days. I mean, OK, the guys in football stadiums are not armed with high-tech, uh, you know, lethal weaponry, apart from their mouths, I suppose, which is pretty devastating well, it's, stuff it's at times. A, it's NATO,
1: isn't it? it, really? depends on how many troops in NATO have, you yeah. know. Which, of course, is another... You know, is known as the Army of Babylon. Yes. <laughs> for, the, for those who know.
0: Where do we go from here, then, with all this history? What are we supposed to do with it? You know, this is a question I keep... I, I feel almost, it's a ridiculous thing to say, sated with it. I mean, sort of, it's always useful to keep coming across new, additional pieces of information that you've not seen before, and to pull them into the mix and to get a better understanding. I am, of course, intrigued massively by what you've said about the Armada, because no one really knows that. Maybe that's your... I don't know you're going to film a video about that, Dennis. What are you going to do? I mean, where are we going to get the footage on that? It's not, well, it's I've not the video.
1: It's, it's, <laughs> well, it's, it's part, like I said, part to part 12. Yeah. The Secret Masonic Victory. The Secret Masonic right. Victory itself is a, it's a series of revolutions... Which around the world throughout history was was caused by the same people, and when you when you go into it, uh, as as I did, it's a revelation in itself. Yes, the number, the number of rev- revolutions. In fact, the only one I really missed out on was the Civil War, which, since research in the American Civil War, yes, uh, was uh, one of the first Bolshevik revolutions.
0: I would agree with you on that. Yeah. Absolutely. We had Ken Carter on here about a month ago, and, and his books are about that. There are other people uh, who've written extensively about it, of course, and I've always mentioned to people, um, my sympathies just instinctively always lay with the South. Now, I'm prob- I'm not saying they were all innocent and goody-two-shoes. I've had people say, no, 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 there was the Knights of the Golden Circle and all this other stuff, and no doubt there was trouble on both sides. I mean, the South did have Judah P. Benjamin... Lining them up, and he was obviously an emissary of uh, I think the, ha- the House of Rothschilds and the banking fraternity from the mm, city of London. London. Pike. Yeah, and Pike. And, uh, I mean, where'd Pike get all that information from? I mean, it's just, you know, him making these predictions about these wars and all this kind of stuff. And why would why would they be so into it? This is the other thing. I mean, I sound like a neophyte when I say this, but I'm kind of echoing comments that I've received. I bet you've received this as well. I've, I've had this for years. You say, you tell, you say look, blah, 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 blah. This is why it's like this. And they go, but why would they do that? And it's a very good question. I go, yeah, why? Well, I believe...
1: I believe that Freemasonry is, is an actual religion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, these are re- religious fanatics. I mean, even Jesse James was a Freemason. I
0: mean, <laughs> what about Ned Kelly suspect. in Australia? Was he a Freemason?
1: Well, no, no idea, but it would, would it no. surprise you?
0: Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, they couldn't have been Freemasons. They were too cool, weren't they? I don't know. I haven't
1: investigated that one, but certainly Jesse James and his brother.
0: Yes. The James Gang. Yeah, all of that kind of stuff. I don't know. My mind's spinning, really, just thinking about all these different moments up and down throughout history. And uh, uh, I'm just looking at a few comments here. Uh, someone's written their bank in England. That's Warren. Of course, he's absolutely right. I keep coming back to the bank over and over and over and over again and been stuck on yeah. it for 20 years in my head. About what to do about the bank, you know, which is obviously to uh, go and close it down and put a lock and key in it and say it's closed now. It's not doing any more business, but this is a fatuous remark that I'm making. Um, but trying to educate people about this seems to me the great challenge. It's one that I still get pretty excited about, to be quite honest. Um, I still keep coming back to that one and going, that's the one to be fixed first because this is enabling them to maintain their attack upon us. But. Uh, it's, it's getting people to understand that there really is a serious problem with these things and yet we're in a, a period where a lot more people now do understand this stuff or are beginning to inquire into it, aren't they?
1: I think Covid woke up a lot of people up. You know, the fact that all the countries were all shutting down at the same time all around the world give the impression that a button had been pressed and, and uh, governments had, had been in, in, infiltrated. Uh, I think that was a big eye-opener for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. They've all. I mean, it must be obvious to everybody that they've been infiltrated. I, I'm. Uh, I've mentioned it before. I'm sure most of the listeners are the same. If you're on Telegram or whatever, you know. But I'm a Telegram guy because it's an astonishingly successful, fantastic little app. Totally controlled, probably by the enemy. I would imagine. <laughs> I just work on the basis that everything is, to some <laughs> degree, well, I just do. But I, I kind of view it as the least worst option. It's so. Useful, and you go, Oh, well, they're recording everything. Well, they've been recording everything anyway, so you know, we've still got to talk and try and come up with constructive ideas. Um, But if they are committed to it on a religious level, then it really is a religious war, and I tend to agree with you. I mean, it may be that rank-and-file Freemasons don't view it that way. I mean, if you talk to them, they say, no, no, we're, you know, it's charity and helping people out, mate, and all that kind of stuff, you know. Um, but when you look into it further on, why? Why do we need an organisation? Why should an organisation like that exist in, purportedly, a country ruled by Christian law? I'm saying that with one, with my tongue firmly planted in my cheek when I say that, Dennis, of course, because it's nothing like that anymore.
1: Well, I recently found out there's a me, there's a pyramid on the Royal Balmoral Estate uh, which dates back to Queen Victoria. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's at 40 foot high. And uh, it's probably the least Christian thing you could think of to put a pyramid on your estate, wouldn't you think?
0: You'd think so, yeah. I guess it's. I mean, the pyramids are an astonishing thing, but then they've been used symbolically to denote other things, have they not? And... Uh, what i mean there 's something like fifty thousand of these things all around the planet, so um mm. under the sea and all over the place there's these enormous ones in is it croatia the ones that are you know absolutely enormous things covered now in south planet america, over yep yeah. yeah, south america we 've got i mean we know so very little about our ancient history, and yet I suspect i think we 've got that the people in the highest levels of these orders they do know, know. <laughs> they know. The, the, they they've come into a line that's got the handbook this is what really happened this is how life really grew up on the earth this is your actual true history you've got to stay in charge of it and the best way to do that is keep uh, is to keep all the grazers that i include myself right all of, you, of them lot stupefied and stupid and uh, bedazzled by distractions and all sorts of other things you know so we've got sports we've got wars we've got all this stuff i mean i can't remember a period either it's the internet um, and using it, and being exposed to all these sort of alternative stories, all things really are in an escalating state of violence, uh, to use the phrase. And It looks as though we're in that period right now.
1: Well, when, when police are threatening to arrest people who are talking about the Bible or Christianity uh, on the streets, calling it hate speech, mm-hmm. then it's no longer a Christian country, let's be
0: honest. I agree, and I think, I mean yeah you're right you're right of course the word christian is i probably need to do a show on it because my definition of christian is probably not the one that tends to float around in the universe that everybody thinks it's somebody who's going to a church and studying this stuff and subscribes to doctrines of churches i mean there's over a a thousand different flavors apparently of so-called christianity Um, but i view christians my definition as a race of people that's what i think they are i think they're a race and I think, um, you know, certainly from certain words that Christ has said indicate to me quite strongly that he came to talk to a specific race of people. I mean, people say to me, no, that's not true, Paul. It couldn't possibly be true. And I say, well, why did he speak in parables and tell the disciples that my words are not for a lot of the people in the crowd? It's not for them. It's only for you. In other words, there's a group that he had in mind There's a a race that he's addressing, these ones that had gone wayward. Us, now, I suppose, you know, we're the ones that are wayward to a great degree.
1: Well, again, I cover that in the third documentary, uh, which people, I think, would find really interesting. Uh, Because, as as I mentioned earlier, when you said that they were enslaved in Babylon, and I said, I don't believe they were enslaved, I believe we were enslaved. Uh, And... uh, You've probably seen why if you saw that
0: documentary. I better go and get stuck into that bit, hadn't I? You can see I am remiss, <laughs> but you are going to be back quite a bit, and you've done so much stuff, and I've, I can't keep up with everything all the time. It's, it's. Int- I've read a lot of stuff about that, but I've not seen. I've not seen your full video effort on that. So there mm. we go. You can, you've got me on that one at the moment. At this moment in the show, this is true. <laughs> um again shout out to anybody if you want to join us in the studio i'm just letting you know because we've had a few calls in the past if you want to come through and have a chat uh i'm here with dennis wise uh paul english live every thursday uh we are discussing we started off at dresden but we're expanding the conversation to cover all these sort of key trigger points up and down the line of history that are uh, where we currently now find ourselves we're at the tail end of a lot of this kind of stuff or we're right in the middle of something or it is world war three um so if you want to join us come through uh, go over to PaulenglishLive.com and click the link at the bottom there you can call into the studio if you get the urge and if not that's okay too but if you get that urge act on it because it's always nice to hear from new voices no matter what you think your question might be like um that i mean just going back to this thing about babylon and all that kind of stuff i agree with you i I mean i thought my view was that uh, the people that were dragged off there were an admixture of people they were our people but there were others and it's these others that drifted off into these temples and learnt these things i mean this i can't quote exactly where it is but there is this there are there's definitely writings to that effect uh and the gnostics what's your view on the gnostics
1: uh well they have their point of view don't they but personally i am a christian so i do believe the word of the bible Mm -hmm. uh and not particularly what they believe which again goes back to Freemasonry
0: yeah I think I think these are laws that actually dynamically apply to us whether people are conscious of them or not and I also think that with regards to scripture it is of course massively misunderstood um, also in the sense that why are there 1,000 different denominations of so called Christianity I mean you can't have such a thing can you? It doesn't seem to make sense to me don't. No, yeah I mean so it means that maybe the truth is right in there at some point but the enemy has decided well what we'll do is we'll keep splitting it and splitting it and splitting it I mean the 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 story I have with regards to the so called reformation and with Henry uh, Henry VIII who had a lot of trouble didn't he having children having a son he had a lot of trouble with that more trouble than anybody should normally expect and his, of course his reign Was full of the most horrific things. I mean, you know, killing your wives and stuff and all this nonsense. But I root that one back. Certainly the preceding event that caused that is to do with um, Venice and the black nobility of the Venetians. There was this thing, um, because obviously England at the time was still classed as a Catholic country, because it was, And um, I think it's worth mentioning this again. I might have mentioned it before, but Henry Henry is the guy that wrote this big document in defense of the faith when Martin Luther started kicking off. And uh, the Pope liked it so much, he gave him this title, the Defender of the Faith, which he kept even after he split the country from Rome. Well, yeah, we're not going to be with Rome, but I like the title very much. (laughs) So Mm. we keep that. And even the Queen was Defender of the Faith, even though she's not, you know, the head of a Catholic institution over here.
1: Well, no, I mean, to be Catholic over here, even today, it's frowned mm-hmm. upon. I mean, Tony Blair, I mean, I, I don't like to talk about the guy, as you know, with my thoughts on him, but, but he became a Catholic after he became Prime Minister, because he mm-hmm. couldn't become Prime Minister if he was a Catholic beforehand. But the Catholic Church to me today is not the same church as we're talking yeah, about one that- back in history.
7: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, it's not. Well, it all depends, I guess, how you define the word universal. I have a problem with it, of course, because Catholic means universal. So Mm -hmm. I think maybe in the early days when they applied it, they meant it was universal to all the tribes of Israel that they were addressing, that they were trying to... The world as they knew it at the time, but it's expanded to include everybody, um, which I think is contrary to the instructions of Christ and of Scripture. That's not what it's about. Um, That's my take on it. And um, uh, you've now got this creature, this character um, who's pretending to be a Pope
1: Must <sighs> we go down that road? That is one hell of a I just can't stand the side of the
0: guy Well I don't know, you could he, even he's call him yeah. personified Is he not supposed evil to be, isn't he being predicted that he's the last one? That this is the last yeah. one
1: uh, That's correct Yeah, I hope
0: yeah, we don't need any more of them. I mean, it's just, there's obviously something on very pear-shaped. I mean, I remember thinking about, obviously, uh, so the Ro- let's go back to the Romans. They're a republic. We, like, we think we like the idea of a republic. Certainly America liked the idea of it, and it was a republic, as Ken Carter said, really, up until the onset of the Civil War. Or the war between the states, which is probably more accurate. Or maybe we say the Freemasonic war. Or maybe we call it, you know, the Kabbalistic war. We can come up with more and more labels to keep addressing, you know, to describe that event, that sad event over there. Um, and uh, uh, yet, the, the the sort of the origins of this thing with the Romans is they've obviously got guys on legs. They're using their legs, and they've got horses and carts. And they're walking all over Europe, which must have been bloody expensive, uh, you know, trying to rule by force of arms. And, of course, I guess the guys back in Rome, they did have a problem, which is that the army gets stronger. They're thinking, well, if if we lose favor of the army, they will march on Rome, and we've got to sort something out. So it always struck me that it was part of their design that it's much easier to control people's minds than it is to keep sending armies all over the place. And, of course, the Catholic Church morphed into, effectively, the, the Roman Empire. It became it its stamp upon the earth, it, and it moved away, as it were, from the original teachings of Scripture. That's what I tend to think.
1: It may, may well be true, but I tend to think there were good popes and bad popes. Uh,
0: yeah. And
1: you suffer the consequences.
0: When's the last good one? I don't know anything about it, really, you know. Like I mentioned it before, I didn't even know what a Catholic was, Dennis, until I was about 11. I'm serious. (laughs) I had no idea. No,
1: I can't believe it, no.
0: Uh, I was, you know, uh, I went, I didn't even know what I went to. I just went to a church. I found out later on it was Church of England. It, I, okay. All right. So, you know, I'm a cub. I'm, I'm a little scout and all that. And I'm running around. I'm just being a boy in the 60s doing things. And I didn't really like the tone in churches at all. I just thought they were all a bit odd and strange. And then I remember I really- one day we were, uh, we had to go and, was it a football match or something we had to play a football match or something against another bunch of scouts or cubs and then afterwards or the next day we had to go we were sharing services i didn't know what this meant so they came all over to our church or something even though i didn't think it was mine but that's what happened and then a couple of weeks later we went to theirs on a sunday morning and i noticed immediately it was very very different and they were burning incense, and I had to I had to go out because I nearly passed out. I just couldn't stand the smell of it. And it, I just went, what? I was 10 or 11, and and the, the chief lady who was in charge of us, what were they called then, Arkela or something like that? Are you okay? I said, no, I'm going to throw up, literally. So I had to go outside for some fresh air. I found it, and I, I went, ooh, that's very different. I don't know what – it just felt heavy. The whole atmosphere felt very heavy, quite doom-laden to me. I'm just going to my instincts as a 10-year-old, something like that, you know. And I, I, didn't enjoy, I didn't enjoy it. And then I went, oh, this is not like the church that we go to. And then, I, you know, my dad said, oh, yeah, they're Catholics. I'm going, what's that? You know, I didn't even know. Um, so, yeah, thank God. That's oh, how thick I was when I was 10. I was a bit dense on that front.
1: I think, I think they actually meant the church is boring so that people will be turned away from them, to be honest.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, the definition I have a church, and its true definition is a gathering of the elders to discuss the affairs of state. It's a gathering. I mean, this is a church. What we're doing right now, by that definition, I view it that it is. Of course, that's not what people think, but I think it is. Uh, and of all the doctrines of prayer and organized prayer, I was very suspicious of them when I was young. I thought, what's that all about? I mean, didn't Christ say, you want to pray, go off to your room and, and do it yourself alone. It's a singular thing. It's a sort of developmental path.
1: You yeah, don't think you really need a third party, do you.
0: Uh, no. <laughs> okay. No, I don't think you do. And the way they dress up and all that stuff, I mean, I, I was confirmed. I still can't tell you what it means. I was 14, right? I had to go to all these night classes. The Bishop well, of Ripon. you must have a name
1: then. You must yeah. have a confirmation
0: name, yeah. No, uh, I can't remember what it is. I can't remember any about it. I just, I, I didn't pay any attention to it. I thought they were all daft. Oh, you've got to get confirmed. What does that mean? So, yeah, the Bishop of Ripon whoever he was at the time, put his hand on my head and said something to me. Very odd. I didn't know what... I <laughs> just going, does this mean anything? No one's ever explained what any of it means. Oh, you've just got to do it. Why? So I was sort of like... I was always sat outside of myself, observing it all, going, what on earth is going on? This is... I don't know what anybody's doing. It just literally... It was meaningless to me. But I remember yeah, I them... is probably most people, isn't it? yeah. Get, you know, get them while they're young. Bamboozle them with kind of an emotive memory. You get this sense of, you know, why do they all talk that way? Why do they actually think well, they know stuff? I mean, they, they
1: look don't. look it this
0: way. Yeah.
1: i look at it this way. If you believe in the devil, you believe in God. And mm-hmm. I look at all the satanic stuff What's going on all around us. Yes. Coming out of Hollywood, coming out of the music industry, it's all satanic. I do believe there's a devil and I do believe there's a God. Yes. Anybody who argues with me, I always say to them, well, okay, I'll tell you what, uh, we'll go out weekend-like, but, but the babysitter, uh, I'll, I'll leave her a Ouija board for her so she can play a Ouija, on the Ouija board with your kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm never taking up on the offer.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, You're not coming around to look after my kids, Dennis. Actually, you won't be able to. They'd <laughs> probably overpower you, but I think that's a good one. That's an, that's an excellent one. I, I used to use that one when we were talking about politicians. You know, you look at them and you go, oh, he might be all right again. Okay, litmus test. Would you let him babysit your children? Oh, people just immediately have it. Oh, I don't. Would you let Gordon Brown be the, your babysitter? Oh, my God. Ted Heath? Mm. You won't have any children left, right? So, uh, and look at all of them. You have this instinct, to, you know, this thing about people's instincts is what we've been shut off from because the mind is being overwhelmed all the time. So people don't go to the gut. They tend to not go to the gut often enough, which is where the fire is, I think, where the common sense and the instincts still remain. And it's what we've got to tap into because we can't sort of turn this back with a wall of intellectual ar- articles and communicate. It just can't do it. It never has done it, I don't think. Um, you've got to find another way... Uh, to all people, including myself, you know, so that we're set on fire, not literally, but, you know, with with force to, to redress this balance. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I mean, Satan, as I understand it, comes from the word shaitan, and it means adversary, specifically the adversary of God, of the good, of the light, that which well, is the darkest. Yeah.
1: You're just going to look at the United Nations and, uh, you know, the offices in the United Nations of the Lucius Trust. Yeah. And the the, the teachings of teachings Bailey and Helena Blavatsky, uh having offices in the United Nations and and, and the room uh the prayer room, which you, you come in from the dark into the light. Yeah. Uh it's all very dark and satanic.
0: It is, you know, I, I tend to I'm quite prepared to look at it and study it though, because I think even that could have been, now you're going to get worried with me now, but even that aspect has been kind of misinterpreted and misconstrued. I mean, um, light can only come out of dark, right? Darkness doesn't come out of the light. So the light comes out of the dark. There are all of these sort of symbolic and uh, understandings, esoteric and exoteric understandings of things that you can really sort of jump into, plow into. And it's a bit like what you, my view really of all of these structures, including Catholicism, is that there have been good people in all of these structures. There are good people in them right now. Unfortunately, the helm is controlled by something else. And certainly, you know, the power centers of where we live, this so-called nation, the remnant of it, as it were, they're all controlled by people who literally do not have your and my best interests at heart at all.
1: Well, there's actually a YouTube video showing, the, uh, I think it's, I think it's the, the Pope anyway. It's the Catholic Church for sure, singing a hymn praising mm-hmm.
0: Lucifer. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah what's it that about?
1: What well, you tell me?
0: <laughs> well, their argument is, isn't the argument in these circles that Luc- Lucifer brought light to man, and this is, and he's jolly good, and he's been the misunderstood. He's been misunderstood. Yeah, um, and yet yeah, I know there are dark isn't. forces. So it. <laughs> i mean I, i'm i'm i 'm on shaky ground here because i 've not done my research fully, so yet there 's an aspect of that that might have some truth in it that there 's another force, even another one in other words, what you and I are using labels here to try and address or describe something, and yet it 's probably as i as we found in nearly all other fields more complex than that. And I keep thinking, you know, is there any chance of actually ever getting to the bottom of this? If they've been building up walls of lies for millennia, which they have, I'm going, well, if somebody don't give me that book that tells me how it all works, I don't know, where. am I just spinning my tail? It's not not that I'm going to stop, and I know you won't stop, and many listeners here who are intrigued and more than intrigued, you know, compelled to look at this stuff will not stop inquiring into it. But it's very difficult without a true guide and to recognise guides. I mean, half of the problem is, you know, you, you follow uh, the writings of certain people. I've read, you know, people up and, down the, up and down the decades and I've been very taken with them. Then they'll say other things later on that I wholly disagree with. So it's not as if you can find, well, you know, all of the truth in one place. I've I found that well, anyway.
1: Actions really speak louder than words to me. The people uh, who, who follow Gnosticism, Freemasonry, Mm-hmm. they believe that uh, Lucifer is the good guy, mm-hmm. uh, and our our God is a bad guy. Yeah, uh, but but you look at the plans, for instance, and what well, you look at the history and what they've done, what these Freemasons have done throughout history in the wars, yeah. and even in uh, you know this New World Order proposing to eliminate two thirds of the world. So all their intentions, whether past, present, future, have all been bad. So to call Lucifer the good guy, I find difficult.
0: Yes, I agree with you. <laughs> I do, I agree with you. It's difficult. Yeah, it, 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 I mean, it's just the origin. It's, it's the behaviour of the people that tend to support it that is, it's not kindly.
1: They're not, you know, kindly.
0: they're not kindly. They're Lucifer. Yeah. They don't help people. They, they only help them as long as it, Improves their position or they try to create the imp- appearance that they have. I mean, how can you be sold an idea that the decimation of Europe, the destruction of Europe under World War Two, was a victory for the good old allies? What on earth does that mean? It's complete horseshit from start to finish. It's nonsense. And well, it's a terrible, you terrible me, thing. You name
1: you me a government to know what cares about its people.
0: Indeed. Has there ever been one? I mean, can we look back say, oh, on all one?
1: these migrants- well, I do believe in Germany yeah, in the 1930s, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, today you look at the migrants, people say, oh, wh- why can't we stop the boats? Why can't we do this? Why can't we close the border? Because the government doesn't want to stop the boats, doesn't want to close the border. Yes. Because they haven't got our intentions at their forefront.
0: Look, I'm going to play you, you something. You've just led me into something. Somebody sent me this the other day. This is a a TV. Uh, it's about four minutes long from British TV in the early 1970s. Uh, talking to people in Southall and Bradford. Listen at this.
2: Um, it's a tragedy for Britain, a
3: tragedy for the British people, and in particular a tragedy for towns like Southall. The, the reason for this is in the future, the, it was hoped that these people would integrate with the British, but there's no hope of that at all. And it, this can only result in the future that ghettos will set up all over the country. Well, the simple fact of the matter is that we do not have sufficient houses, jobs and schools for our own people, let alone immigrants, be they black, brown, yellow or green. It simply boils down to a question of
10: numbers. Well, of course, there are far too many immigrants in this country. When will the public wake up to the fact that you cannot put a quart into a pint bottle? About 12 or so years ago, there was very, very few people in Southall who were prejudiced. We did everything we possibly could to make these people welcome and help them when they first came here. But as there's been more and more come into the town, we've said to the authorities, please, no more. We're full up. Still they keep coming in by the hundred. Today, there's very few people in South Pole who are not prejudiced. And unless something's done about this quick, that prejudice is going to be sheer bloody hatred. If we are obliged to have these immigrants, why can't they be dispersed to other areas, especially to the areas that, of these MPs and the people that welcome them
7: to this country?
10: My parents were married here in 1867, and six generations of my family have lived here. But now I'm being driven out. The uh, the local cemetery, where all my people are buried, all my family, is was used for gambling and drinking, and a lot of the, even the tombstones have been damaged. The one next to my mother's was. Like everybody else, all our friends have gone. There's nothing left for English people in this town anymore. I would like to say this. My wife and I used to like to go out weekends down to the local, have a couple of drinks, meet friends in there. We can't go into the locals anymore. They're full up with noisy foreigners, and we don't like it. We don't We haven't got a place left where we, the English people, can go and enjoy ourselves in this town. After going through two world wars, we should at least have the dignity of being allowed to live with our own kind. We've no room, we've no jobs, and our poor lads are fighting in Ireland while our own country's being invaded. I mean, the situation we've got now is that you can't find jobs, accommodation, in your own town. I don't come from Bradford, I'm here today to support the Bradford people because they've been left out, they don't get to say in what's going on, they're pushed up here, people are, the coloured people, they're put into an overcrowded situation and it's just leaving chaos behind. What is the problem? Right. I'm a Scotsman, I'm living in London, I've come all the way from London, but I am a Britisher. And I am here, and I feel there is a great problem here in Bradford. I'm not a politician. I'm a working-class man. I'm a member of the British public. i spent 11 and a half years in the British forces. I spent it in the Airborne and the S.A.S. And I'm here now, marching for these people. Because to me, we have been sold out all the way along the line by Heath, Wilson and everybody else. And I am not a politician. And I don't want to be interested in politics. Just a member of British politics. British public, that's all! There's too many people in the country, yet they keep letting these immigrants in, knowing very well that the mass majority of the British people are against this uh, immigration. We've got enough in Bradford, let's keep them out, we've got enough here, we've got enough over here. We've already got unemployment around this area, and um, we want to see them kept out, the rest of them. We can stand so much, uh, they've brought us too many over, and we are going to stand for it, we're going to fight against it.
0: A British working man. That's how
5: I describe myself. A British working man, no less, and that's all. I'm just fed up and tired of being pushed from pillar to post, the British people can't get away
10: in where the immigrants can. They get everything laid on a plate for them, they get money laid
0: out for them, just when they want it, and we get nothing. Sweet and simple nothing. All I want is the best for my children, and my family, and my people. That's all I want. Just the best for my people and my country. That was from 50 years ago, Dennis. And shout yeah, out to yeah, 50 years part. ago, early 1970s. I could tell from that you can't see. It. I had the video clip as well. You could tell from the dress. Yeah. Has anything changed much in 50 years? What do you think?
1: Uh, same couple today. Nothing's done.
0: <laughs> they were being ignored then. And they're being ignored now. We are being ignored now. So we're not involved, I've said this before, we're not involved in a communications process with these people at all. It's just the semblance, the appearance of it. There's no actual listening because we are viewed as an asset in their system to be abused as they see fit. There is no there is no kindliness by our government. <laughs> Ours, what a joke. By the government, you know, to us, is there? At all? No. No.
1: no you know if they had any, um, any thoughts of improving this country they would, they would certainly fix them up the holes in the roads
0: outside where mm-hmm. yeah. I absolutely. they won't even do that. We're going to have to get our thinking caps on or something else. Something's got to be done that's not been done before. I sound a bit wishy-washy when I say this. I've got my own ideas. I'm very keen on consumer pressure groups. Not to appeal to them, but for us to... We've got to appeal to one another, really. We've been joined, Dennis, maybe you can see. We've been joined by a couple of people here in the in the studio that sounds awfully posh when i say that um eric von essex is here hi eric but it looks as though you're echoing like mad listen i've got you on mute but here we go go. there we go so we you got we got something going on there with your microphone set up or something eric the sound's coming out and going back into the mic Uh, but we've also been joined by icon who's currently muted but icon i've unmuted you here at this end and if you want to talk or ask a question or throw something into the pot you're more than welcome All quiet on the Western Front. Okay. Um, Let me just check Eric again, Dennis.
9: Hello, I'm muted. Sorry about that. Uh, I'm at a difficult age, that's why I forgot to mute it. Uh, Sorry about that. (laughs) 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 I've got a note from your parents, is that all right? That's fine. fine. Anyway, Eric, uh, welcome to the studio. Thank you for having me on. And um, Mm. hello to Dennis as well. Hi, Eric. All right. Fine, thanks. I hope you are. Good. Yep. I'm good. And what I was about to say is that um, I won't mention the word because, you know, it tends to set the um, uh, the alarms off at different HQs. That <laughs> yes. But um, the country is basically run by USURY scammers, financially mm-hmm. enslaved. Um, and the is actually run by unelected civil servants and governments are there um, to take your mind off of those two first facts because all the government is doing is paying back the USURY scam and that's why mm-hmm. our taxes are increasing all the time and um, once people find out about that then it's uh, curtains for them and they know it so we're kept in ignorance totally all the time and um, look what uh, Henry Ford said if people knew the truth about the banking system, there'd be a revolution before tomorrow morning. You're spot on. But uh, the other thing I was going to say, I was going to mention, was that um, about World War II, because a lot of the propaganda that was put out during World War II is still believed to this day, even though it can be proven to be incorrect. Um, a perfect example is um, after D-Day, now, we're still seeing propaganda of uh, French ladies kissing British troops and waving English Union Jack tr- flags. That was all done far behind the lines, and there's, I haven't got the proof of this, but I have heard from several sources that in 1943 they did a lot of films in Wales for, to make it look like France, and these were shown as newsreels um, that the French were out, you know, kissing and hugging the troops and uh, delighted to be, um, shall we say, uh, liberated. Whereas in my dad's lot, because my dad was in frontline intelligence, lowish rank, I hasten to add, and a conscript, um, they were met by a kind of very cold reaction. And the, pe- the French people came up to them and said, We don't want to be liberated, please go home. <laughs> they just didn't. Uh, and the shops were absolutely full to the rafters with food. There was no shortage. So that's a little bit of propaganda that we've been fed that people still believe. That, that you know, the French... Yes, there might have been occasions when they wanted to be liberated or whatever, but those propaganda films, when you look at them, the troops look very, very clean. Where did the women get their Union jackets? Flags from, and when you look at the vehicles, absolutely spotless, and they're supposed to have come for a battlefield. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's I, I heard something similar. Yeah,
9: um, uh, I don't think the fact
1: that Churchill sunk the French Navy uh, endeared him to the French because a lot of people died, uh, and a lot of people didn't not realise that that he did sink the Navy because he didn't want the Germans to get the ships and the French. Uh, hierarchy in the Navy promised uh, completely that if, if the Germans ever attempted to seize the, the ships they, they would sink them themselves but Churchill didn't believe them and went ahead and I think a, a number of thousand men were certainly killed, French sailors.
9: Yes I know that to be a fact but also what you don't hear published is humanity on the, on the battlefield because a lot of German, as well as Allied, uh, especially conscripts, risked their lives to save the injured enemy, in inverted commas. Um, Mm. And my dad reported this three times. Um, One of the most outstanding Mm. situations was uh, his uh, group, he was in the 231 Brigade, 2nd Devons. They were surrounded most of the time because they had to go ahead of the main battlefront, To lay out markers and things like that and observe what was going on and there was an absolute massive battle in france and two german stretcher bearers wandered into their lines and because it was such a bloodthirsty battle um, the british stretcher bearers had been killed and these two german stretcher bearers said that they would volunteer to go to no man's land and pick up the wounded and for 48 hours, non-stop, they went out into no-man's land and brought back British and German wounded. They could have wandered back into their own lines, but they didn't. They kept their word, and eventually they had to be ordered to stop because it was against the Geneva Convention, and everybody was choked. And um, my father, after the war, tried to find out whether they... Well, they they may have survived the war because they went to a prisoner of war camp. But what happened to them, to, to thank them, and um, I helped my dad, you know, to uh, contact German newspapers and that. And nobody wanted to know, newspapers didn't want to know. And the German newspapers, especially, they, they were interested in the story, but they never, never printed it. And um, it's rather sad. And we even on Classic FM put a, uh, we, we'd said the story and said, you know, could we have dedicate some music to these brave men who saved lives? We're not being mm-hmm. political here. And they ignored that as well. So it's very, very sad. That yeah. There's you know, there's monuments to these terrible people who, like Churchill and that. But who those men were, we'll never know. But there's a lot of men that survived the war that wouldn't have done. And it's thanks to those stretcher bearers. So, and they said he that they're nurture, non-combatant. Yeah. That's right, that that they were human beings. Uh, after,
0: after... Um, After 45, I can't remember when it was. They did a massive um, sort of um, market research, we would call it today. But they did a big sort of questionnaire uh, talking to troops, particularly infantry troops. Um, I'll just mute you a bit here, Eric, because we're getting a bit of an echo there. Um, They talked to infantry troops, particularly because they were involved in hand-to-hand combat. And they were trying to find out whether they, during battle, shot to kill And they were alarmed to find out that the vast majority of troops on all sides did not do that. They tried to shoot in the legs or whatever. I mean, I think the Russians had a sort of tactic for that because they said, well, obviously, an an injured soldier draws the attention of several other soldiers, soldiers and therefore reduces the fighting capability of the enemy. But overall, they found that they were not happy about doing it. That's my phraseology. I'm sure their terminology was different. But when it came to acts of saving wounded compatriots the records of that were off the charts in comparison, they were all willing to go out and help their mate if he'd been shot and drag him back to safety on all sides, there was that was a commonality and the idea of actually killing one another was, was something that they weren't too keen on um, we've got somebody else here in the studio I'd like to bring in if we can get him in, Icon you're here and uh, you're unmuted so uh, welcome to the studio um oh.
8: Yeah, how's my microphone?
0: You're not too bad. You're fine, don't worry. Yeah, you're fine. You're okay.
8: Oh, good. Yeah, Yeah. um, going back in the conversation a little while, uh, back about 20 minutes ago, talking about uh, why we do the things we do in our past, and uh, I've spent a lot of time, I'm familiar with both of of your, you know, Dennis's uh, films and whatnot. But uh, this has bothered me too. And it seems as though in our past, and on our racial past, we, we have crossed uh, paths with one another of our own kinsmen, and we don't recognize them. And there's some force behind the scenes that causes us to kill our own people.
1: I believe that's and true. And this yeah. has happened
8: many times. And and in particular, in Egypt, Egypt was almost completely wiped out. Uh, I think about 620 B.C. And they were they called them the the uh, what did they call them the uh, so they had a name for them and the historians don't know who these people were, but they had the battle axe, <laughs> so which ought to be a clue. And they had horse drawn they had carts, and it was our people. We just came across our people again and we didn't know who we were
7: mm-hmm.
8: <laughs> sure. so and and uh, but in the other comment I want to make is that um, on the word Christian I do not use that word hardly at all unless I'm forced to use it I don't like calling myself a Christian because it's really not very scriptural uh, the first of the believers called Christians were at Antioch, and if you go into Wikipedia, it tells you that our little friends, that are um, uh, the remnants of the Pharisees and Sadducees, that's where they set up headquarters. Well, naturally, they would call us the Israelites. Oh, the in a sarcastic tone of voice. Oh, those christians and that's where the word so i don't like using the word i just don't because it's derogatory
0: well i think i don't know if it's derogatory i mean i guess if you hear it that way you hear it that way i don't necessarily but i certainly think it creates so much it creates an awful lot of confusion it's got to be clearly defined i define it as as a race of people who used to be called israelites but that's my definition you can throw that in the bin if you don't like it well it it keeps my mind i agree with (laughs) yeah
8: I'm in 100% agreement, and I think that's the only clarification that makes any sense, but the one you just made.
0: Yeah, no, great. I'm just going to mute you a bit, fair Icon, because you, 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 your sound's okay, but you've got a crackly mic somewhere. I'm just letting you know in case you're calling again in the future. Uh, crack- There's a little crack.
8: It's You've got a crackly cable. <laughs> it's
0: the bane of internet radio, crackly cables. But, no, good comments, fantastic. Um, Thank you so much. Well, that's great. No, thanks for calling in. You can hang around here and speak again if you like. I'll just put you on mute for now. Um, Eric, was there anything you wanted to add? I had you on mute because of the, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with the walls of echo and the little sounds coming through. Did you, was there anything more you wanted yes, to add?
9: Yes, I know the problem. Well, there's a little something I wanted to add, and that is what people overlook is how the offsprings are affected. For example... Um, there was a poll done uh, after the Vietnam War and in Australia. Now, Australia was involved in the Vietnam War, and they found that the um, offsprings of veterans, the suicide rate was 29% higher than the national average. And I actually spoke to um, a lady a long time ago who went to a special school because she her parents were affected by World War II, and 80% of the children that went to this school, I think it was down in Sussex, um, had parents that had suffered shell shock during World War II. And that is something that's overlooked, how it can affect future generations. Um, There was a... Now, you think of the children that witnessed and survived Dresden. Um, What's their children turned out like? Are they affected in some way? And I often wonder whether it, it is why we're getting a lot of freaky stuff now. Could this be something to do with it affecting children in some way? I'm no expert on this, but it's surprising how many children are affected. For example, my father had un, um, untreated shell shock, um, and that affected me in some ways. I'm not blaming him, but. Um, they call it post-traumatic stress disorder now. now. I've got post-traumatic stress disorder from other things, but the fact of the matter is the way the children are affected are always overlooked. Again, what's happening in modern wars? What's going to happen? You know, it, yeah. it, and, you know when you think about it, if something happens, say in a big city, a bomb goes off or something, they say the people will never forget that. They'll that, that be with them for the rest of their lives. The poor souls that went through World War II, they had six years of trauma. That is a heck of a long time. It must affect people. It must. So that's why I, little, you know, that's what I, I just wondered if anybody else has got any comments on this at all.
0: Silence. Good point. Yes. It's a good point. It's a good point, though, Eric. Um, you're absolutely. Right. I guess it's a residual buildup. If we've got the memories of our ancestors in our bones, then it's all there. Just to give us a little pause here, because we've only got about 13 minutes or so to go, and uh, we haven't played song number two for you yet, Dennis. So I think we're going to do that. This is not too longy. This is. Oh, uh, mm, yeah. This is about. Oh, this is only a couple of mi- three minutes long. So we're going to take a three-minute break, and then we'll wrap up. Here we go. Okay. and that was uh, midnight rider by uh, the Allman brothers is that right uh, dennis mm-hmm. yeah and uh, i have i don't think I, I have heard that once or twice but that's also what early 70s is that one that one's
1: yeah wrong? it's an era when i used to do a lot of driving and Yeah. one of my my favorite road trip numbers what i often played it's not long enough it's not is so it they're not, not long really, enough. No, these things.
0: No. You just, you know, yeah, sure. obviously the limitations of the forty-five constrain them to three, three and a half minutes top whack, I guess. But I quite like that that's nice little sort of guitar riff there in the back. That little twangy bit. That's that's really good. So, can that's, I just mention? Uh, you can.
1: Sorry. Yeah, can I just mention? People seem to assume that uh, the Vietnam War was American and Australian troops. Where, if you actually Google British Vietnam War medals. Mm-hmm. You will find that we secretly had troops down there.
0: Did we now? Yeah. Well, well. Right, was that surprise, before? Surprise. Was that before, or during the the Americans I, being I, there I, as well? I believe
1: it was during.
0: Really? Yeah. So we're,
1: they. We're the SAS there as well. Yeah.
0: Really. Wow that rocks. turned out good didn't it all turned out good but of course as uh, as people who were in that conflict noted some of whom i know they were pretty clear early on having being out there that the whole thing was being organized intentionally to make it come apart and to weaken america or to weaken their standing in the world the whole thing was a complete mess really wasn't it yeah
1: back home it certainly wrecked them yeah, yeah. but it obviously were not a war a war that they, they wanted to win because it dropped everything on Vietnam, apart from the, the nuclear bomb. So they weren't, you know, particularly holding back for any reason. Obviously, you know, they dropped the bomb like they're under the war.
0: They did. We can't seem to get away from this war thing. It's their default position, you see. I just think always, again and again and again... Uh, And it's not always this thread, but certainly repeatedly, whenever the financial system, whenever they've screwed it as far as they possibly can, and it's starting to come apart, which is obviously, we are being told that that is the case right now, then they use war as a way of kind of resetting the account book. But uh, there is a better way, which is the biblical way, which is to have a year of jubilee and just forget all the debts, don't you think? They should wipe all the debts
1: clean like I did.
0: What did he do, Dennis? Say that again. What did Uncle Adolf do? What did he do?
1: Well, if, well, if you abolish usury, you wipe out the nation's debt. You so do. Everybody suddenly had a clean slate.
0: You do. Which,
1: which, if anybody did that over here, would be admired and loved for many a generation.
0: Well, I'll do it, Dennis, if you could just show me where to pull the right lever. I think Eric wants to have a go as well. I've been banging on about this since about 1995. You've got to be in a position of power. Do you? I wonder what that position looks like. I wonder what he's not going to do it. (laughs) Well, because he's not the man in power, is he? He's just... He's the puppet dropped in to rile us up even more and to send a signal out to the rest of us here that we're being governed by people who are not us. I've got nothing against him personally. I'm sure he's very good or was at Goldman Sachs if you're into that sort of thing. Frankly, I'm not. I think Goldman Sachs needs to be shut down along with all the other... Uh, private banking institutions that view this thing and have built up a whole world based on speculation on markets. I mean, uh, (laughs) how are you supposed to build anything concrete when the whole purpose of life has become about making money? You can't do that, can you?
1: Yeah, funnily enough, a central bank is a blank of
0: one of the laws of communism. Which Isn't it it just? I know. I know, I've said that. (laughs) You can tell people over here, you live in a communist country. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Why do you say I live in a communist country? Well, if you've read the Communist Manifesto, the International Communist Manifesto, two of the key planks of that are a central bank, one, and a progressive income tax. Do you live under a central bank with a progressive income tax? Yes, there you go. You're done for, mate. You're enshackled to this stuff. And I know, I mean, just like I couldn't describe to you why I thought all these churches that I went to when I was young were weird and odd and didn't quite get it, I also had exactly the same visceral response when I started to receive income tax demands when I was about 18 or whatever after my first job. These brown envelopes that come through. You owe us this. Who are you? Go away.
1: Yeah.
0: What's this about? It's got nothing to do with anything. You And... Um, then you realise, of course, it's a mass organised system that's been literally soaked into people's brains and into their bones. That Oh yeah, we've got to do that, that's how the country gets managed. Well, it doesn't get managed to your benefit, it gets managed well, against you. As far as
1: I know, there's no actual law in America which tells you that you must pay income tax. But if you don't pay income tax, you will end up in prison. Which, again, is a mind-boggling thought.
0: Mm-hm well I think much of the research that's been done on this um, is fantastic stuff and it's got to be brought out of that realm of complex discussion which I guess to some degree I tend to fall into. Maybe you do too. It's understandable. We've got to go through these topics. But to get it into a state where you could literally write it down on a conflex packet or the back of a fag packet, as we used to say over here. And of course, the word has a different meaning in America, so it's not quite what you think. It's a <laughs> slang for cigarettes over here. And uh, you, know, you just write the idea down. And got, it's got to be in sort of like 10 or 15 words. I tend to boil it down, Dennis, to this. You, as an Englishman, uh, should own the bank and there should only be one of them, and it needs to be directly owned. Apparently, they're very keen on equity, aren't they, and equality and all this other stuff, except when it comes to ownership of the bank, and um, I think that's where we really need to start. You know, set a good example, Bank of England, give it away, it's mine, I live here, it's just as much mine as it is yours. (laughs) I and you can't open a bank, by law. We can't open one? We can't open one. No, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. There was that guy, wasn't a guy in Liverpool tried to set me up? The Bank of Ken or something. Burnley. You seen that? Bur- Burnley. Burnley. Not far Paris. from you. You're all troublemakers up there. I like it. I like it a lot. Maybe I should move up there. Yeah. Well, yeah, the thing
1: He, he tried to open the bank, didn't
0: he? He did. Absolutely. Um, and. Um, Hang on just a second. Someone's just joining us here, and uh, let me just mute. Abram, welcome to the studio. We're just going to f- finish this thought, then I'll try and bring you in quickly, because uh, we've only got a few minutes left. Um, but, yeah, we need to talk about banking a lot. We'll we'll do a banking show. Abram, welcome to the show. You're, you're, we've only got a couple of minutes left, so um, if you've got something to say, speak now, as it were. Oh. Not a lot going on there at the moment. So, um, yeah, we're just down to the last couple of minutes. Um, But, yeah, banking. Absolutely. I mean, the whole of the war was about banking, in my view, really. Of course, that's a bit ridiculous because not the whole of it was about that. But I, I see it as a primary ingredient um, that how are you supposed to run your central banking scam if you've got one country, in this case Germany, outperforming all of your uh, client countries because they've decided to not use your services. They've dismissed and done away with usury and central banking systems. Pretty tricky to sell the idea, I would have thought. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we're coming towards the end of our allotted time span here on WBN 324. We're down to the last minute or so. Um, And also on uh, Speak Free and elsewhere, other stations, um, Freefall Radio South Africa. Uh, We're on Rumble still. There probably will be a post-show. We'll probably keep it rolling on Rumble. But if uh, you're listening on the other... um, the other channels it's just to let you know that we're about to end um at the top of the hour which is uh in my case 10 o'clock in the uk and uh, five o'clock us eastern we're just about to come to a close here i've been here with dennis dennis any any last few words here in the last minute
1: yeah just a sad day really for uh what was a major tragedy way back in 40 in the 40s i mean you know you've got to fear for the germans they didn't have to take a hit
0: I think that's English understatement at its best. They really did. I saw an interview today with some ex-Wehrmacht soldiers, they're all dead now, but it was in the 1990s, they're asking them these embarrassing questions, they're questions like, uh, are you still proud of what you did? I go, yeah, we defended the whole of Europe. We were frightened. They understood what they were doing. Over here, of course, we didn't have a clue about it really, did we? Exactly. So exactly. We didn't really have a clue.
1: And we reaped the rewards.
0: Yeah, we certainly did. We certainly did reap the rewards. Um, I want to thank you for being here um, you can carry on talking to the after show um, and we'll be back again of course same time next week on the radio but we're still going to chug along on rumble so if you go over to paulenglishlive.com you can uh, pick up the post show as it were which is more informal chat um, and we'll be back um, well I'll be back this time next week thanks everyone for being here brilliant and we're off air okay so we're <laughs> off air um. In uh, and that's all. Yep. Yeah, we're off air. And uh, oh, let me just Someone's check. saying up. the sound has been
1: off since twelve. Twelve minutes past nine. No, it
0: came back on again. I think it was intermittent. I checked it, and it was on. Otherwise, that you, uh, so we were okay on Rumble because there's been ah. a goodly audience. So it's been okay. The sound hasn't it? Um. You can hear it fine here in the UK. Fantastic. Thanks very much for letting yeah. us know that. That's brilliant. Um. And um. Yep. All going. All going well. So. uh Ah, that was really good. Fantastic stuff. I guess um, I guess we'll have to do a banking one if you want to do a banking one. Two hours of banking, though. People will be slitting their wrists by the end of that, won't they? It's um, <laughs> it's a tough... It- I mean, do you find, Dennis, that because you've been around the information for so long, it's it kind of gets a little bit... Muddle's not the right word. It's, it. The more I've sat with it, the less I'm beginning to know... Or I'm trying to reduce it down to very simple arguments to just get it across to people that obviously are not going to have the time in their life to read all the background books and everything that they need. It's to, it's to kind of boil it down and get some kind of hammer blow across with people. Um, I mentioned to you, I think, before the show, that you're, I've got a physical copy of your DVD, and I mentioned it, I think, even when you were on last time, or I mentioned the other week. I'd lent it out to a couple who came back with some very interesting comments about it, and it's now in the hands of some other people who are also... You know, basically, the gist of what they've said to me is I wasn't aware of all of this stuff. You know, they just don't know the true history of all of these. Um,
1: exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. Or the real history, the stuff that's actually really been going on, you know, in the background, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, people are informed. It's probably better. It's, it's worse than, that, than the government lying because if you don't know what's going on, they don't have to lie. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, They don't have to lie. I agree with you. Yeah, they don't.
1: Um. Unfortunately, I think people are, are finding out. Mm-hmm. As I said at the end, you know, we reap the rewards and people are now finding out that our government doesn't like us, doesn't love us. Most of the places. Same in France. Same in all the places that won the World War II battle. Same in Do you America. think we
0: could unify with the French? Do you think the British people? I I just keep thinking if we could do that, (laughs) I'm sad. But really the Germans, the French and the British need to get to the actual people on the ground, like these farmers who are doing fantastic stuff with manure and silage and whatever they've got. Um, But even so, even then, it's like reacting against an enemy. We, We have to sort of create our own space. But it's very difficult to do it when they're interfering with every single aspect of your life, which is obviously what they're doing.
1: Well, this is what I call soft communism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think if, if they feel enough resistance, they can soon turn to hardcore communism, which would be even worse.
0: I think they've probably found that soft core is more effective.
1: Yeah, it certainly has been. But I think it comes to a point where when you get so many people waking up and rebelling, then mm-hmm. they've always got that option.
0: I <coughs> guess. I guess there's always that psychologically profiled individual that's quite happy to do that sort of filthy, disgusting, oh, evil work. I'm quite sure there is. They've always existed, as we, unfortunately. We, as we saw in COVID. Well yeah, that was the bit that I think maybe we talked about this before. The bit that chilled me most about it was not the so called whatever Lurgy that was going around. It was the speed with which huge numbers of people complied with government stupidity and followed it. And then became zealots for it. And then if you were a guinnet they were again you, and you suddenly I suddenly saw, ah, this is how mindless warfare and destruction arises. You know, you have one group with a completely different idea of what's taking place to another, and it becomes enshrined almost in their heads. And if you, if you say things that run counter to their view, you're the enemy, mate. You've got to be done away with. You are a troublemaker. What You want us all to die from COVID? No, I, I want us all to not die from the hand of the government. You know, and is there any compromise or any agreement space in something like that? I don't think there is. I, 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 That was the bit that got me. I thought, there's literally no point on which I can agree with any of this at all. None of it. It's, it's a ridiculous nonsense, you know?
1: Well, I think there'll only be a turning point when the people they employ to protect them turn. Mm-hmm. We can turn all we want, but if they've got a massive police force. I was watching the miners the other day, like the miners' strike back in the 80s. Yep. And the huge, I mean, there were more police there than miners. They, they called them in from all over, from Liverpool, from yep. London. This this huge civilian army, if you like. And, mm-hmm. and they're all brainwashed. We saw in COVID, they're all brainwashed. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't believe some of, some of the people that were knocking down, you know, women, all women. What what mindset have they, have they got, you know what I mean? Yeah well mean?
0: someone i yeah someone i've known i'm maybe uh who's been involved in heavy physically violent death sort of situations a military guy next ex-military guy i know said to me years ago when i was a very interesting bloke in fact if, if he's got the energy i'd love to get him on at some point he's in his 80s now but he's still highly lucid and got some very interesting things to say and i mm. remember him saying to me he said that the guys you need to worry about not the guys at the top it's your next door neighbor who puts the uniform on, and next week he's going to, you know, yeah, it's like a physically prefect. overpower you because he's been given the he's been told he can do that. And there are no there I are was very never few. Be a,
1: hmm. I was never going <laughs> to be a school prefect. It takes a certain type to be a school prefect. It does. It's exactly the same type, what they use.
0: It's, it is. There's a psychological profile for people that seem to get some kind of a buzz out of what they perceive to be power, power. over others. Yeah. Correct. And and they get it because there's they also see that it's been set up with a safety net for them that there are very few consequences they don't feel the pain of their bad actions they don't come back at them and this is you know you were talking to me earlier about a court case or something with evidence not being allowed in you know and then the question you ask is is this a court i don't under, i don't i personally do not see these situations as being courts or the enactment of law or that this person therefore cannot be a lawyer because he's saying things that run contrary to the laws of God and therefore they're invalid and you're out and that and they laugh because they go yeah but we've got all the blokes with the sticks and the guns and everything and we're going to set them on you and you and and we're going to set them on you in such a way that you know that we could do that and it's so heavy the fact that you know it that we don't even need to do it the implication of it is strong enough to keep you in check and to keep you under control for what purposes Mm. Because, you know, we're the ones that are in charge. We're all, we've always been in charge. We're always going to be in charge, and we don't care what anybody thinks or if anybody's got a better idea. The only good idea is what makes us more powerful and has more contro- have more control over you. That kind of, you know, that, that bent well, on things.
1: I've noticed a lot of these uh, immigrants, whether illegal or illegal, a lot of the security guys there are all immigrants. Mm-hmm. Uh, some can't even speak English. But you know, a security guard has to have a badge and he sits for a test, and they have people there uh, helping them fill in the forms. Yep. so you're now getting a, a number of people who aren't particularly English starting to boss the English.
0: But this is what they've always done, haven't they? You exactly. use if you're gonna have a you have to have a people who are willing to do things against people that are outside of their race because it's easier to do it. You know, they have their own culture. They are those scummy English types or whatever they say, and it builds up. And you get this separation, I'm sure, you know. So the police, maybe it was well-intentioned to start off with, with Robert Peel. I mean, I've read some of his writings. He talks about it basically being that, Every citizen needs to be vigilant against crime. Okay, yeah, accept all that kind of stuff. In fact, the vast majority of people I know are just good people. I don't know anybody that wants to, but I know that they exist. I'm not stupid. I know that you've got people who want to do things and do use violence to get their way. That that's a very small percentage of people. But of course, on the back of that, they've used it to drum up the reason to create a massive police force to stop the most microscopic of uh, threats to you, you know, we need and you've got to pay for it. So, it seems to me that government so called government is just a massive organized protection racket in all its various well, guises. I'll tell you,
1: yeah. I'll tell you, the Crazor at this lesson uh, back in the 60s there's, the, the, there's only one firm, mm-hmm. and anybody like the Crazor comes along will soon be shut down in prison. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the same with the drugs, we, we, you know, okay, you know, these drug dealers from Liverpool they, they, they smuggle all these drugs in, but they're all shut down,
0: didn't? yeah.
1: The government control the drug, not, not the individual gangsters. yes. there's only one firm in town that's been proven many, many times. I, you're
0: absolutely right. There is only one firm in town, and um, yes, that's cheery, isn't it? But of course it? it was that <laughs> <laughs> it was that one firm in town um, that, was, that brought us into war in World War II. I mean, it's just, Incredible. it is heartbreaking. You look at it and you go, then you have to realise, of course, that the, the vast majority of all people in all so-called free Western Christian nations have never been that. They've always been under the thumb of this power centre. Um, and yet I've got to also take the view that there's got to be a way of, of it disintegrating in some way and coming apart. And, you know, if soft communism is the more powerful, which I think it is, I think maybe soft communication might be more powerful i'm not trying to be wet i'm sure someone would say oh yeah yeah we're well, not going to get anywhere but uh, you and i i know you know we know and many of the listeners here know very heavy information if you know what i mean things that people uh, in pubs don't know things where you could really if you got if you kicked off you could really let fly with a lot of verbals which would probably end up putting you in believe. the believe yeah and you'd end up going the nick. You'd, you could, you'd say, it's not like that. I mean, yeah. I could argue very competitively for some of the things we're talking about. I don't do it in this show because I don't think it would work. And I you know, keep thinking, you know, how are we to find a form of communication that would warm people to, to their own best interests? <laughs> but there's so much fear Going around with people, and of course they people understand. uh, They tend to respond, unfortunately, to the anxiety of loss, and yet everything they must see that everything that that they've supposedly inherited from the hard work of our forefathers and foremothers is being taken from them. It's been just as that clip you know I played from fifty years ago. The principles are the same. It's even worse now, Uh, and of Mm. course the actual the It seems to me, Dennis, that the the positive idea is not being put out. There is a positive way. We have to say, how are different people supposed to live on the earth uh, like they've always done in their own homes? People say, well, that's terrible. No, it's fine. If you want to help people of a different race and culture to yourself because you think they're suffering or they come and ask, then do it but you do it where they live, in their home. You go and help people where they live because the roots of so many things are involved in your life. Every single nuance, the way that you feel about a street, everything is part and parcel of the way that we we grow up and live. And we understand our own. Everybody understands their own people in a way that they cannot possibly understand others. And so when you mix them on the same bit of real estate, and it doesn't matter which bit it is, tensions naturally arise because nature don't like it it says you don't need to do this this is really dense and no one's going to come out good from this in other words i think there's a positive way to talk about race and the racial mixture on the earth and to make it work and uh, you know the concerns of a chinaman are actually not my concerns and never will be i've got nothing against Chinamen. Uh, some people might and i hear people pass comments and i've got nothing against englishmen but there are a lot of people out there that have got a lot of things to complain about with the english I know, because I've read them. And you could see from their perspective, I go, bloody hell, you know, if I were one of you, I'd probably have the same view. So if everybody kind of in the main stays at home, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I mean, it seems like, but I I keep boiling it down to simple things. I think it's like a real estate issue because they have that mantra, don't they? Location, location, location. So it's not that the person's good or bad. It's in the wrong place. You're in the wrong place. Yeah. It's not going to work out well for you. Why? Because if we let that situation mature and you build your culture as a nest inside another uh, root culture, you'll come to blows. Well, you you, you will. Of,
1: uh, in the you case know. of Somalians, if you put Somalians,
0: yeah, in a you know in London in White yeah. London, you're going to get knife crime. <laughs> yeah. Because that's it's, it's, how they resolve their differences. That, it seems to me it's that necessary. they the go no, nope, oh. yeah. We're a knife. Uh, we don't do arguments. We do knives. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. So you go home and you just carry on with knives. And if you get bored of that and you want a different way, come and ask us. Uh, but you can't come and stay here. So it's obviously it's not. This is the thing i am trying to point out for years. It's not their fault. They're not... I understand the comments from that clip from 50 years ago. The people see it as, they, uh, as it is, and they go, we don't want these people here. But those people were brought here also by the, the force that's orchestrating the Discord. That's that's the issue. And, of course, they want they want us to turn on one another so they can accuse you of being a hater and a racist and all the other words that are going to flow, you know, like a river from their mouths and wag the finger and say you are an evil white person, all this kind of stuff. Whereas, in fact, the evil white people are these traders to, uh, who have augmented and brought all this about, and they've not thought it through. I mean, they just, or if they have, they've denied the understanding because we could help a load of people, but we can't if we're... If we're being messed around yeah. with, and can get strong, um, I think it. You know, you look at the deserts; they've got technology that could reforest the deserts in fifty years. So why don't we get on with that? No, we can't do that. Well, let's have a war. Why? Because if you reforest the deserts, all of us controlling class, we're out of a job. That's what I think it's about. If we, you know, we don't we don't need them, and it's dawning on a lot of people that we don't need them, and the technology and the means amongst normal people are already there. So they're permanently causing. I'm I'm just telling you stuff you already know. But you know what I'm going to say? Yeah. You
1: know, it's not that these people in church lack intelligence. Yeah. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing.
0: Yeah. So. They do, absolutely. Uh, Now I'm. uh, Oh, hang on. We've got somebody here with a very interesting name. Come in. So let's see who this is. I'm not going. Hello, N Y T W A T. Hello. <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, <laughs> cool. So, um and right, right, fast, okay. fast Running Cheese is here as well, although he's kindly muted well. himself. Kind now, Paul, we've got an echo got coming an echo from, from you from back from you. into the mix. Back
4: into the mix. I don't know, I've got um well let me uh l- uh, let me turn my my monitor down. I don't have headphones on on my only means of hearing you, so I'm going to just turn that down. Okay, how's that? Is that better?
6: Yeah, that's hello. That's why Say I'm something because the headphones.
0: Yeah, that's okay. Uh, you're in. So yes, well done, NY twat. <laughs> you know that word, don't you, Dennis? You know that very <laughs> well. Wait, it's a very. We, the English use that word a lot. It's actually, a, you know, I, I think it's a pregnant fish is a twat. Did you know that? That's what I was told at school.
7: What
0: we call them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's a, it's a great insult, you pregnant fish. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm really upset about that. So there we go. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you stepped in, Paul. And arrived here, and Mister Fast Running Cheese as well, because Dennis, I don't. If you know, I have to go and do a little task here at this time every week, and I'm I'm not leaving the show, but I have to leave the studio for about five or six minutes or something to do things. So, mm-hmm. if you'd like to hold fort, and I, and there have been a lot of comments coming through on Rumble, and there's still a goodly sized audience. I mean, just to let you know, uh, everybody on Rumble, thanks uh, for today. That's the best audience this show's achieved so far um so it's been some really goodly figures there which is jolly good so this thing is growing all the time and that's very encouraging yeah it is it's great um but i'm gonna just put myself on mute and leave for a while so if you three gentlemen could argue amongst yourselves vehemently to make it very interesting you know and contentious or whatever but i'll be back in about five or six minutes something like that okay okay all
4: right I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna let you guys talk because I need to check the the Rumble chat the history and see if I had missed any music. um, Well, if there's any questions,
6: anybody wants, ask me. No, Uh, I I have Um, one thing I could say when when you brought up Somalians, uh, Dennis, I was about. I don't know, an inch from getting stabbed to death by Somalians when I was uh when I was in Copenhagen one morning, right? And uh, yeah, so it was. Uh, I literally I ran to the headphones real quick as soon as you brought up Somalians. I wanted to say that, and then I, he already said what I was gonna say. They're freaking, they stab everybody. Like, yeah, that's the culture. They literally they walk. It's so. It's uh, the reason why they were gonna murder me is so ridiculous. I. I I'm waiting to do my uh, little job that I was illegally doing when you're a tourist or whatever. You're not allowed to work if you're American. I'm waiting to do that. If I do it too early, the bums and stuff will just mess everything back up and it won't look like I did it at all. They come up to me, ask me if I have any hash. I'm like, no, get away from me. Pull out a huge kitchen knife, like, I don't know, a foot-long knife, and start trying to stab me. And I just have to take off running. Uh...
1: And the reason is, because probably their father and their grandfather and their great-grandfather all live by that same rule. It's the culture.
6: Yep. And it has no place in Europe. Absolutely. No, it's not
1: not a white man's thing, you know what I mean? But apparently now in Britain, uh, people are, so I say kids, teenage kids, are so frightened of being stabbed that they have to take a and knife themselves to protect themselves, which leads to other
6: problems. Yeah, yeah. And and I I, I heard this from uh, uh, Sven Longshanks, y'all's political prisoner. Oh, who you know. I know for a fact you know because I've listened to you two together. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, that's that's another main reason why I wanted to call in. I was like, oh my gosh, Dennis Wise, when am I going to get to talk to him? (laughs) Uh, But, (laughs) yeah, I loved your movie, man. But uh, the... The Hitler one. I haven't seen all of them yet, I need to. But anyways, uh what was I gonna say? Sven I remember Sven did an episode where he was saying they go around I, I don't even wanna say this, but they go around trying to stab each other in the uh in the rear end, you know, so like on purpose. Like yeah, the so little it's Somali it's gangs a, or whatever.
1: It's not a mortal world. Yeah.
6: I mean, it's just, and they call it, they have a slang for it because then the rest of your life you have to have a colostomy bag with you, you know what I mean? So all they right. say they're going to bag somebody, and it's just, there ain't no white man in the world who gets in an argument over some drug turf or something and goes, oh, I'm going to go stab all these other people in the butt, exactly. you know, like, yeah. get out of here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just it's filthy, they're filthy. No. I know.
1: Uh, I, absolutely well, gotta, not a police high ranking police officer in London talking about the gangs in London when it, it really started to kick off like and, and he was adamant, he was saying, No, oh, it's not a problem. It's, you know, it's not like we've got the gangs like the mafia in New York. You no. Know, but it's a problem. It is a problem though. But they like I said, you know, they're they're an an arm of the government and the government don't particularly like us.
6: Yeah. I mean London is a mess I I just I can't believe that I can't believe that that's London like (laughs) I I I was there for just I mean I was in London for a while but I was only there for just a couple minutes when I noticed like an older man uh he was probably British I guess I don't know but older man he was in like you know he was in kind of nice clothes i don't really know like not like a suit suit but look kind of like church clothes or something Mm -hmm. and he was slamming his head up against the wall and i was just like what in the hell is you know what is this and he was strung out uh, inconsolably like there was nothing anyone could have done on some kind of drug Uh, i guess it was that spice that they're doing over there yeah but i've just i just I don't know and it, you know that's the least of London's problems of course is like, but it was just shocking to see because well again like, I don't know I I'd only this, been there a little bit and I'm just like
1: I cover this with uh, the latter, latter part of the documentary uh, and it shows actually shows uh, you know what Hitler predicted all this you know he wanted uh, families brought up right he, you know he didn't want drugs Teenagers full of drugs, and uh, there's an episode. Of, I can't remember which one it is now. It's one of the later ones where, where it shows uh, the difference uh, in the governments. Where you know you're going to have kids on estates uh, dealing in drugs and and knife fights. Where in Germany it would have been a totally different world, totally different.
6: Yep, it's. Yep. we lost more than we think it's unbelievable yeah yeah i, I mean everything. everything i don't know what we didn't lose exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. oh, man it's it's just unbelievable and you're completely right hitler predicted it i even seen a, uh, I even seen an old like yeah my generation would call it a meme but this was directly out of a, a old newspaper i guess it's like mm-hmm. a little newspaper comic book and it ha- you've probably seen this one. And it's got, like, all these uh, characters that are drawn kind of like gorillas looking down on an enclosure. Yeah. And it's got, like, a gay guy. And it says, like, these are the French and whatever. Yeah, you've seen yeah. that one. And it's like, how in the heck? That's a hundred-year-old drawing, and they completely predicted it. Now, if you go to yeah, Paris, yeah. that's that's what you got. Like,
1: yeah, totally. Well, the Weimar Republic is actually the U.S. state. When you got all this transgenderism, yes. you all this abortions, all these uh, homosexual, uh, you name it. You know, and we're all in the Wiremac, uh, which obviously they got rid of.
6: <sighs> yeah, I I seen the map uh, where there was one of these so-called clinics where they'll where they'll destroy your child. There was like yeah. one of them in America. Uh, I don't guess it was like 15 years ago or something. Now, the map of North America is just covered. They're even in Mexico and stuff. Not I obviously mm-hmm. care more about America and Canada, but they're just everywhere now. There was yeah. one or two, and I don't even see how it was legal. And, I, and that's the weird thing about this. When did they make it legal to chop off all these kids' parts? It was just like a cultural change. I, I don't see how yeah see what i mean was, uh, i don't remember them passing a law saying oh no, well, you can do it, this now
1: i think it came from the un because a lot of this uh, child sexualization you know re- reading the books about sex and whatever at an early age all came from a uh, part of the un called cacus uh, i would presume it came from there because the u.n kind of over over overrules the the us in certain things uh Eventually, probably overrule it completely. But at the moment, they can bring rules in, like, you know, they got rid of uh, religion in schools, they got, you know, certain laws passed by, uh, you know, the judges over there. So when it came in, I don't know, but it's obviously coming in some states, especially California. Difficult.
6: Yeah, I but shared when, something when, on Gab earlier. Well, Oh, when, I'm sorry. Uh, keep when, sorry.
1: When you're going to be a certain age to vote or a certain age to join the army or a certain age, you know, legal age to make love and that you've got a, an 11 year old can, can have his becker chopped off. It's ridiculous.
6: Yes. I mean, here's the thing. Like I, you don't even really, I don't even know how to word this best. Like just imagine it's yourself, Right. Uh, and you want all kinds of ridiculous stuff when you're a five-year-old like I literally di- I didn't want to be a cop I wanted to be a cop car w- What does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just I saw the cop cars and I was like, oh, those are so cool when I grew up I want to be a cop car and like my family <laughs> still thinks that's funny that I said that you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. They didn't go and turn my feet into wheels No, but what I was gonna say is you you can just think for yourself. Would you rather have a face tattoo Of some stupid TV show you liked when you were a little kid, or would you rather have your wang cut off? Because that doesn't ever go back. I would literally rather have whatever TV show I liked when I was a little kid, the main character tattooed on my face. That would be fine compared. Compared to (laughs) that, but without a doubt, for
1: sure. But but I mean, there's a lot of things change. I mean, if if you look back, you know, since World War II, when when would you ever see women fighting in a ring?
6: oh yes yeah, disgusting and i always think that's so disgusting and there's dudes yep. who who watch this and yep. i'm just thinking there's something mental with you you want to yeah. see these you know they're normally lesbians beat each other to a bloody mess it's 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 to a pulp yeah it, uh, it's just so like,
7: gross
1: like in, in in this country the the band models bringing down the flags to the to, to the boxing ring uh, yeah these feminists said said it, 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 that weren't that weren't right for women so they got banned and yet to let two women beat the fuck out of each other yeah don't make and sense
6: I, there's got a lot of genetic differences in like skull thickness and all kinds of stuff like yeah you, you know little girls don't go around like maybe little african girls do because i live in georgia i know that but uh, girls should not be beating each other up, then they don't go around beating each other up. Like they have no interest in that, naturally. Uh, so I don't see why they would have.
1: Well, well that's the just one of many things it. what's changed since World War Two. It's all that and gradual, so you know you you hardly notice it, you know. But eventually, that swamp does fucking cover you.
0: Does it? Look at me choking! <clears throat> I'm choking on my uh, on, on my port. By the way, <clears throat> so you, oh, you inspired oh, don't me, Dennis. Say that. I need one. Dennis, yeah, because you got baby sham, um, Dennis. <laughs> pints of yeah, as it oh, I'm, I'm sorry to pints of baby sham. Um, I thought uh, I thought I'd have to get some some port. I think death by port is probably top of my list. I'd be fine with that. Um, but yeah, doesn't it, what you were just talking about? Then I just stepped in at the end of it. Doesn't that give proof to the lie that the females are the more intelligent sex? What's going on? They're just as manipulable as the men folk, aren't they? I mean, it's horrific, all that stuff. It's just bizarre.
4: Well, it's In like, some cases, more so, because they're because they're more emotional and they can uh, their maternal instincts can be turned against them. Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: that's one. But the Russians, what used them originally, I mean, Hitler never used... Uh, women on the front line but, the <clears> but, they, weren't, days, but they weren't they so
0: weren't russians the were they dennis that were using the well, russian no, that's women what i'm saying it's yeah.
1: it's that their culture in it again yeah so yeah this is where it stems from it's not our culture
0: it's uh the two shall not mix it's this thing it's like you know i, I guess i too like i was saying i'm just going back to a real estate problem unfortunately there are people that actually want to be on our real estate <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, and this yeah. is ancient stuff as you know millennia old this scrap that's been going on for a long time um, and of course the whole of the current situation is um, a horrific reflection of all this kind of stuff it's just I don't know uh, we, we tend to think of it I guess as a, well surely we could just sit down like reasonable men around a table with cigars and port of course and uh, just talk it through and get it all sorted out you know but um Countless attempts have been made at that, and it never works. It just doesn't work. People have got ambitions to do things.
1: That's all all the politicians do is talk. Nothing changes.
0: No. No. Well, I'm still keen on the idea of forming a consumer pressure group um, because I want to consume good banking. I don't want to consume the banking puke. That I have to consume, and that my forefathers have been consuming for hundreds of years. I'm, I'm fed up of consuming a really one thousandth-rate service. That's terrible, and uh, I want it nice and simple and easy, and um, I want it. Uh, I want it transparent and direct. I want things, of course, that I can't have, Dennis, uh, because are, these people <laughs> don't want us to have those things. Exactly. They don't want us to have those things. So we maybe we have to look at where their power lies. It seems to me that, breaking it down, the power lies in the fact that many people ally with them. And they're of a similar mindset. Well, I think
1: infiltrated. that's why.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, they control them. They, they infiltrate and control. Yeah, they the do. Freemasonry is he, one of the main weapons. Served them well.
0: Maybe we should form another organization i don't know the plumbers or something instead of the masons uh what about the carpenters yeah that we Two are the freak
1: don't make a right.
0: <laughs> yeah i know they don't and the thing is every good intention to set up an organization is bound to end up becoming diseased at some point it seems to me it's very it's it's yep. tricky it is tricky but certainly the decentralization of power is is key because everything that they do is about the centralisation of power, because, you know, we're going to have a national income tax, we're going to have a, you're going to have a central bank, and our lads are going to control that. And, of course, it's all in our, everybody's best interests, except when we point out that it probably isn't, then, um, then they get heavy about it, of course.
1: Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. They've all got the, always got the alternative, haven't they, They've uh, had communism?
0: Yeah, yeah, well, I guess they do. I guess maybe they do. I suppose they do. I often wondered why we have be... They've
1: always used it before.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I could never figure out, even even before I really didn't... Even before I understood the true backstory to all of this, which, of course, uh, I didn't understand it in my teenage years or when I was in my 20s, but uh, when I got to my 30s, it started to happen really quickly for me. But even before that i always remember viewing the bolshevik revolution whenever it was covered on things on tv like well i don't know maybe world at war covered it and, you know the thing with mm-hmm. laurence olivier and things like that of it just being the most dread oh,
1: documentary that were I,
0: I know i know <laughs> i know but it had oh. larry uh-huh. it had larry doing the narration dennis how could you not like uh. sir larry reading it out, you know. And, of course, I saw the the press photos they did for him sat in his braces to give him that earnest sort of, you know, news jock look as he read it out. And he's a great narrator. There's no two ways about it. But, of course, that's all part of the emotive overlay to get away from the truth, isn't it? You get hypnotized by that stuff. Uh, And it's very effective. But uh, I always remember when they were covering anything to do with the Bolshevik Revolution was just absolutely... I thought it was the most... uh, It was the stuff of foul nightmares even to this day it's just there's something of pure dread about the whole thing that that something like that could even happen Uh, and of course uh, I was laboring on the idea it was the Russians doing it to Russians and of course until you get the key to find out as Solzhenitsyn said that there was no such thing as a Russian revolution which there really wasn't then you're blindsided and of course um, still huge numbers of people are blindsided by that uh, and I've uh, and got a completely muddled view of it. So, Understandably yeah. so, really. It's understandable that they would have a muddled view.
1: Well, I'm going to have to depart in a couple of minutes if there's any more questions.
0: No, you can go. It's absolutely fine. You're absolutely you're off offer another bottle of Baby sham aren't you? No need to be well, bush, a bush, Dennis.
1: Well, some kind of a party going on downstairs and I'm being demanded.
0: Really? You've got a social mm. life, and there's fun taking place. That's outrageous. Come on. No. No, that's great. <clears throat> that's really good. No, no, we don't. This this sort of post show stuff has just sort of built up of its own accord. It wasn't anything that was initially planned. In fact, in the early shows, he didn't do it at all. Really, I used to just cut things off. But you know, people like Cheese turn up here and Paul's here and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, oh, and Jack's here as well. So, hang on, let me just bring Jack in. He's been waiting patiently.
7: Patiently,
0: Jack. Jack. No, no, we don't. With this, this sort of oh, we've got an echo. Yeah, we got an echo we jack. Got an echo jack. Mm.
6: Yeah, I have uh one uh, question, one question for, for Dennis Wise uh before he goes. Mm-hmm. Uh Fire okay, away. Fire could, away. could you say something, say something about, about uh, uh Sam, Sam Malia Malia. getting arrested? If if you if you have anything to say. And I missed the first who's hour that? of the show, so if I if you already said something. Oh, okay, who's, never mind who's who's it, it's one arrested? of uh Mark Collette's friends. He's He's always with the microphone, or what is that called? The megaphone doing really great speeches, and he's kind of like just like a big guy, like a regular dude, but he's like a big dude. And they threw him in court and started being like, oh, look, you said this, and you're totally a racist, so go to jail for three years or whatever it is. It's just absurd. They even admitted all of his flyers and stickers that he was selling were completely legal. They admitted that. But the case was about... Is is he evil or so? It was crazy. I don't know. Mark Clift's been talking about it a lot, and I always liked Sam. So,
0: right, yeah, no, he's I, in, I, that, I hadn't heard. No, he put some stickers up, Dennis. Uh, <laughs> one of them said, "It's okay to be white." Is this
1: it here in America or in- no?
0: It's in Leeds. Okay, yeah. wow, my hometown. It's in Leeds. Yeah, um, I've been there. Yeah, and um, I mean, yeah, so sure he was putting stickers.
1: Yeah, it so is. Yeah, it's, yeah,
0: so it's yeah, the crime? Hate speech. Uh, hate. I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't know. Is it okay to be white? Obviously, if that's hate speech, we need to. I mean, maybe. Yeah, that's hate speech. Yeah. The is it? it? Yeah. Yeah, but of course, there's no such thing as hate speech. It didn't exist. I mean, this is no. this is of course exactly there what they is. did in Russia. This is what as soon as they started yeah. doing this, the what did the market, What did they do? They started interfering that's, with the language yeah. to create confusion, so you don't know what to do, so you can't think properly, and then. That's the blueprint. They, Yeah, that's the blueprint and as soon as they've readjusted the meaning of certain words you're now off balance you can't you don't know whether you're communicating straight i don't now i really don't it's very very difficult Mm. to know we want to inquire into history is that allowed i just want to know so maybe we need to get a lawyer on here i need to get one on and say am i allowed to ask questions about history no you're not okay am i allowed to even talk no okay so what we need to do is we need to get the whole country to just stop talking completely which if you you're found talking, teenager. you get locked yeah. up.
7: Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I just keep thinking that there might be a tactic available to us, which is we take their laws and we amplify them and throw them right back at them. I often thought about this. I've I mentioned it before, yeah, you know. Well, the problem, problem is
1: the problem is it's a law that's very similar to the laws in Germany, where defence the truth is no defence, and mm-hmm. the lawyers get jailed.
0: You mean is like that, Sylvia Stolz for acting energetically yes. in the defence? Yes.
1: Yes. Does it matter whether it's true or not?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You've got to. Is it you know, really class- hate
4: speech, or is it just speech they hate? Uh, well, yes.
1: Well, they're classed as hate speech, do not they? But but only well, they have yeah. the definition of what
6: is hate speech. That's the problem. Is hate speech un? Uh, uh, to go back to what you're talking about earlier, because I hear that thrown around in America, and I know for a fact there is no like, there's no such thing as that here. But of course, we we have the same people controlling our media, so you hear it. But yeah, as far but as I know, UNR there is no legal hate speech. Adl,
2: you know.
0: It's how long in oh, America yeah, you is, can yeah. hold it off, and and what's holding it back? I've often thought, what's been holding this back for so long? That's that's now no longer here to allow this nonsense to take white place. People. Yeah, maybe it is. Yeah, maybe it's just the. It's I think the it abs-
6: might be white people.
0: Yeah. What in high power because circles? You, you mean yeah, the
6: absence of white people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the 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 non-whites they they're pouring in right now. We got like ten million new ones or something. I don't know, millions. Yeah. they're they're natural communists. Like they're just they're just communists. That's what they are. That's why, I think George Lincoln Rockwell's uh, definition of communism is the best one because it's like one sentence and it's true. The one where he says it's the organized mutiny, or no, it's the non-white. Mutiny organized by Jews against uh, the white people who built civilization. That's a pretty good paraphrase of this yeah. definition.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. That nails it. That seems to be spot on. Um,
6: yeah, he was. A, he was really smart.
0: Yeah, he was. A, a outstanding. A and the,
6: and a, a Jew murdered him. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely outstanding.
1: Uh, well, it's a problem because if you can't talk out against something. That kind of leaves a free freeway for
0: them, doesn't it? Just an open road. Well, I maybe need to get someone on them. Maybe we need a sort of. I, I need to. If anybody knows of one, somebody who thinks that they can speak authoritatively on the law in England regarding speech. But you see, under common law, under the laws there's no such thing as hate speech. I mean, hate. But you see, I'm just being sort of a clever dick here. Do you know what I mean? I'm fully aware what you say. It's absolutely right. Yeah, hate. In my dictionary, says uh, an intense dislike or aversion to an intense dislike or aversion to someone, some thing, some event, some vegetable. Mm-hmm. I have a, I hate beetroot. I have an intense dislike and aversion to beetroot. I don't like the smell of it. It makes me feel ill. I don't like it. Right. So I actually would say, oh, I hate. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I, yeah, I'm serious. Yeah, I don't like beetroot. I hate it. Right. I okay. hate beetroot. That's so. Bizarre. um yeah, I know. Some people love it. And I actually think a beetroot and cheese sandwich looks fantastic. We know all that, I think, because I like cheese. But some people don't <laughs> like cheese, right? Yeah. But I, when I was a kid, I used to say, Oh, no, Ooh. don't give me beetroot. I hate it. Uh, you're allowed to hate vegetables maybe the vegetarian the veggie people will say you're not allowed to hate vegetables you need to be locked up that's hate speech attacking beetroot serious it's that mad it because there's the no none- so if, if you like beetroot then you're yeah, not good, you? yeah so if it depends <laughs> on the judge is this guy a judge so if if the process of law the procedure of law has been hijacked which it certainly has all of these processes do are we supposed to convene our own courts common law courts in the back of pubs or the back of a bus or the back of a van who cares and say, this is the law that we choose to live under. I mean, we're basically, it's just a fight now. It's just a fight, and they're going to win it in the sense that they're, they're really motivated to kill us, and we don't want to kill anybody. That's what I see. I mean, I don't. You don't. Oh, it's not well, about that. Um, that's I, the itself, isn't it? <laughs> it? It is. We go, look, that, doing that sort of stuff because our people have a long history of being involved in this stuff, resolves literally nothing, which, of course, is exactly what they want. They don't want it to be resolved. They want us to be in a permanent state of distress. So we can't function properly. It seems to me that that's a key part of it.
1: My wife's going to be in a permanent state
7: of distress.
0: You go down and charm (laughs) your wife. You'll be back here in a few weeks, Dennis. We'll speak again after the show. It's been really good having you again. Wonderful. And and as I get... yeah, fantastic. Uh, we gear up to more shows. I'll have you back more recently. But we'll speak again. I'll send you a message tomorrow or something in the next few days, Dennis. So absolutely brilliant. Okay. And uh, we'll cover more stuff. We'll go through something else next time. Uh well we won't really. We're gonna we're gonna go through this forever <laughs> until we hit some point. So brilliant. Have a lovely party. Give give my wishes and love to your wife and uh, we'll do. d- don't have too much baby sham, mate. It's it's for, yeah, wife, job, it, it's for your wife after all. It's for your wife after all, really. You know, you should be on the mild. Okay. Brilliant. Okay. Okay. See you later, sure. Dennis. Cheers. Thank see you. you. Bye-bye.
6: Bye. Yes, thank you, Dennis.
0: So, Dennis Wise there, and I guess that kind of sort of brings the show to a conclusion in a way, unless people want to carry on. We've got a goodly sized audience here on on Rumble, I'll say it again, because uh, it's nice to see it. It's good. It's taking a little while, but uh, uh, that was... Uh, we covered some interesting stuff tonight. We're probably, uh, yet again, bouncing around like on Pebbles and touching on this, that, and the other. Any... Uh, if you, if you want to call in, this is kind of speak now or forever hold your peace. I know Jack called in, but he obviously had um, he had big echo problems. Um, so um, uh, I'm thinking that really, probably now seems an appropriate time to wrap it up. Any final comments from from you, Mister Mister Cheese, or from you, you yes. ny twat? <laughs> we did have a
4: suggestion Rumble. Say that again. We did have a music suggestion at Rumble. And, you've really? Um, I okay. missed it, but um, if you check your Skype, you might be able to. Uh, do a You close want to sign off with a good
0: song, do you? Is you you're, you're, you're uh, basically you've got packet loss as you talk to us. You're bad case of packet loss, Paul, at the moment. You're, you're coming in and out. Bit of juddery. I don't know what's causing that, unless it's just me. Let us have a look here. Oh, you want to end on a rocker, do you? Actually, I'm thinking, you know, you sent me one the other week that we could end on, which was the, um, you said, I, oh, hang on, where's the title of it? I've got a, I've got a... Thank you for joining us for the Radio Ranch with Roger Sales. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. And, uh,
6: I, I do actually have a suggestion for the, for the law thing, possibly. Mm. Uh, although you said British law, so I don't know. But there used to be a show about law on Speak Free Radio and that charles edward lincoln the third despite unfortunately being like a distant cousin of the tyrant lincoln literally uh he's brilliant and he's pro he's pro white he might you know he is brilliant to say i mean
0: i he is brilliant i really like charles i'm gonna well uh, charles has got other commitments let's put it that way that's what i i know of it but um uh i'm hoping to get him on this show all right Because uh, the organizing of his show was a challenge, let's put it that way. Um, But he, behind the mic, I think he's fantastic. I really do. I've told him this as well. And uh, I'll get in touch with him. You want him on? I'll try and get him on for next Thursday because I think he's brilliant. And uh, I love... uh, Yeah,
6: you two have the best radio voices. Both of you two, but best radio voices I know. So that'll be a conversation, right? Well, I agree. I I don't know about me, but
0: I certainly think Charles, uh, Charles doesn't. He's fantastic, and um, this will be really. If he's hearing this, which he probably isn't, he'll find that very, very funny, or possibly even awkward. But I'm glad you brought it up, because um, uh, I don't want to go into all the things. But sometimes people's lives sort of interfere with their radio effort. They deal with this because no one's a pro, no one's getting paid. Things just come up and life happens, right? So it can get a little bit awkward. And um but I'd love to, I've told him that I'd love to get him on as a guest and if he's forgiven me for a few things because there were a few things that we had to talk about, then hopefully that'll happen. So I'll tell you what, on your prompting, I am going to chase him up. Um, I'm looking for that one, Paul, right. sorry to talk over you, Mr. Cheese, or Fast Running Cheese, to give you your full uh, title. Um, <laughs> before my system went all doolally, just before that first thing, I did have this actually loaded up, and of course I can't find the bloody thing now, um, and you sent it to check me. I your Skype. I, I no, I save I all these things. Yeah, Skype. I know that one, but you sent me another one last week, which I didn't play, which I think is even better, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to find but it. But I just... I just Mm -hmm. sent you one 15 minutes ago that was suggested. Oh, right. Because somebody actually wants that one, do they? They actually want that one. Somebody actually wants it. Outrageous. (laughs) People actually want this.
4: Um, yes. And, is this and what it, if is this we what, <laughs> can provide,
0: if we can provide, we try to. Hey, I like that, Paul. I think you're right. Is this like being a radio DJ where we go, hello, you know, pop pickers and all that kind of stuff? It's outrageous. I never thought I'd end up doing this, but I can't say object too much. Okay, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Um, let me just pull it into the old um, whatever it is and whilst this one's playing i'm going to try and find the other one so we're going to go a bit rock and roll now i can tell you right now that that's really what we're going to do um let me just grab hold of it there we go oh there he is fantastic so as far as i know this might be the last oh there's only one minute and 49 seconds one minute and 49 seconds good grief this guy was lazy he couldn't be bothered to do a song for more than one minute and 49 seconds outrageous You'll all know this one. This is a bit of rock and roll from 1950. What year is it, Paul? 57, 58. It's definitely the 50s, isn't it? This is. I don't right? know. I wasn't alive then. Well, neither was I, but I read a book once. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here we go. Uh, this is oh Jerry Lee Lewis. I'm sure you'll work out which song it is. Bradle
5: man insane. You broke my will, but what a thrill, goodness gracious, great, is great balls of fire, fire. I landed in love, but I thought it was funny, you came along, and now honey, i changed my mind, this world is fine, great balls of fire, kisses, this baby, mmm, feels good. I love the show. show. You're fine. you so kind. you tell this, this world, world that, that you, you mind, 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 mind? That you dance night, I my mind, you and all I I'm real but it's so fun. Come on, baby. It's really crazy. It's just great. balls it's of fire. fire. The love is just You're fine So Hello. kind Can't you tell this world you mind? You you That you might, might, might Ain't you trying to do that I quit on my thumb Real nice Somebody show his fun Come on, baby Run crazy This great This is great Balls of Fire
0: well maybe great balls of fire seems a little bit cheeky but uh is this the only radio show where we've talked about dresden and had jerry lee lewis at the same time it's a bit of an incongruous mix but uh, but there we go so yeah you've all gone quiet at the back there you're all muted or connected that's okay that's cool that's cool so that i was, said yeah that was outstanding it was very very good <laughs> very good one minute and 49 seconds how about that so jerry lee lewis really knew how to uh get the most out of one minute and 49 seconds that was quite good but yeah it's a classic that um it's an a absolute... little
6: longer than that
0: <laughs> it did it yeah it's probably you probably know it back yeah, not in see? a bad way but no no it's, uh, it's all pretty <laughs> i cool. was
6: picturing in my head what the hot rods used to look like back then and i was thinking like back then you know like a quote-unquote bad boy or whatever was like a super nice guy who still loved his grandma. You know, he mm-hmm. just he took the fenders off his hot rod, or sorry, off his Harley or whatever Indian, and he slid around on dirt roads. Wow, he's super cool. Which he is cool, a hell of a lot cooler than what you know Hollywood pushes. uh But yeah, I was just picturing the hot rods and the bomber jackets and stuff.
0: I know. Yeah, me too. I the the fifties certainly in America were pretty cool time. In Britain. They were a pretty grindy times. So I suppose it made America seem all that more exotic because people were still on ration books in the early 50s after the war. It was all a bit grim, really. And uh, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, things have changed a bit. Um,
6: but y'all's Cafe Racer was cool. Like that little scene, the Cafe Racer scene, that was very cool. Uh, uh, possibly cooler than our hot rod stuff because I just personally like motorcycles better, but...
0: Oh, yeah, um, yeah, well, yeah, that's all the guys over here could afford was motorbikes, I guess, really, so cars were a bit out of everybody's pocket, unless you were, you know... But, yeah, motorbikes, yeah. that's
6: actually the same here because I like going fast, you know, that's the thing. If you want to go fast, you can go a hell of a lot faster with some Japanese bike than you can any car, a regular guy is going to be able to afford, like... Uh, uh, yeah the fir- your first time on a motorcycle is actually kind of like uh, a drug or something it's like you know you're just like oh my gosh what is going on here you know like I, i've got a motorbike story
0: to tell you something i i I rode, I rode a push bike quite uh keenly for about three or four years when i was about from about the age of 12 to 16 that kind of period i was i lived on my bike and i had a, a thing called a fixed wheel so Same. no gears on it it's like a track bike but i used to ride it on the road so you never stop pedaling it was the way to get fit right you no free wheel you're pedaling those
6: a couple of times hard to ride yeah yeah uh, but it yeah, got I me can't really remember fit. what they're called but hard
0: yeah it's called oh, yeah. well we call it a fixed wheel anyway so you know i'm in a bikes and everywhere we went on push bikes we'd stop off um, at cafes and things And have a coffee and buns And all this kind of stuff And there was a place up in Yorkshire Called Sherbin in Elmet. They've all got good names like that Sherbin in Elmet. And there's a massive cafe there And we often used to stop on it coming back And it was packed out with motorbike guys the first time we rocked up as these little sort of dweeby cyclists, right, because I was in the cycling club, I thought, oh, this is going to be really, you know, this is not going to be, because all these guys are in leather jackets and everything. But the cyclists and the motorcyclists just all got on like a house on fire. They'd all known each other for years, and it was great. You know, they used to laugh because they thought, why do you get an engine? And all this kind of stuff, I couldn't have afforded one anyway. So that was kind of what I grew up with. So everybody in Yorkshire at the time, a lot of people on bikes, it's a massive bicycling county, it always was and um a lot of guys on motorbikes the guy over the road when i was about fifty, my dad said i don't want you getting a motorbike never get a motorbike i said no oh. <laughs> you know a bit like that and uh, my <laughs> friend got, my friend got one and then there was a guy over the road got one and then about a year later he was on crutches with both of his legs in plaster And he didn't look in a good way. And uh, basically, he was very fortunate to have his legs, because what he'd done on his motorbike, he was driving around these very windy sort of roads in Yorkshire. And he was driving through, I can't remember where it was, some little village, uh, uh, too quick. And he came around a corner and went straight into the blades of a parked combine harvester he just went bang straight into it because he was Ooh. going too quick he came around a blind corner going way too fast you know and that was it so he was lucky to have his legs and i went dad you're right i'm not getting him on my bike that was it i just went no yeah i think you're right with this because i'd been on my push bike for about oh. 4 years and during that time i'd i'd taken bits of my f- fingers off <laughs> seriously i'd hit a bus i'd nearly yeah. gone over into a river this was just on a push bike you know cuz you push it when you're a kid you are kind yeah. of made up and i oh, thought i'm, I'm gonna, gonna kill myself i'll die mean. i'll die if i do that um yeah so it's they scared the bejesus out of me i remember two other things my friend bought um a kawasaki gpz 1100 this would have been in 1979 or 80 something That's like the that
6: The one from the movie with tom cruise isn't it
0: i don't know maybe the, the a bike monster from- bike Monster bike, yeah, and he said, yeah, "Look, it's... we're going out to York or somewhere. It was about a twenty-mile drive. You can go a pillion." I went, "All right, you know," but in the rain, doing one hundred and twenty-seven mile an hour on a bike, and you can feel the front end going light every time you change gear. I just basically went, "I'm yeah. not doing that with you ever again." Because if I come off, I'm just jam right. If I hit a tree, I'm dead. And uh, you know, know just... how
6: bad that rain hurts. Yeah, bang, bang. It, <laughs> it's like it little... <laughs> really hurts.
0: Yeah, see, so, yeah, so I'm just a baby. That... I don't Yeah. I it's just it's mad and then we went to last you see i sound as though i'm a motorbike guy but i'm not really and uh, we also went they do road racing over here which is for people with testicles the size of mars right you've got to have the most enormous testicles to do this and they You're do think, isle of
6: man yeah and road that. warrior irish road warrior all Those that kind of great. stuff
0: well in yorkshire there's a thing called oliver's mount which is near scarborough of Scarborough Fair fame, that that old song. And uh, they ride a road course up there. So one year we, because all my mates were into bikes, I was the only one that refused. I said, I'm not getting one, right? They all got completely addicted to their motorbikes (laughs) and everything. And I I wouldn't get one. And um, because I'd sort of seen what had happened to me, I just went, no, i got to go with my instincts and everything. But we went up there to see them. This would be about the same year, 1980, something like that. And we were watching them come down the road. And this is on country roads, which are not flat. They're not like motorways where it's smooth and flat and perfect gradients. They've got lots of uneven ripples in them where the road's settled over years. You know, it's like a big rippled surface. Anyway, I'm watching these guys come down the road at me like 180 mile an hour down this thing. And we were stood like five feet away as they went past, and I just went, I looked at the first two that went by, and I could see them literally, couldn't even keep it straight They were going that quick. And I thought, if that guy comes off, I'm dead. I'm not getting, I can't get out of the way of that. So I just moved 20, so I said, they said, where are you going? I said, it's okay, I can see from here. I said, bye. Yeah. So, but there's a cult of that kind of stuff, you know, so... Yeah, anyway, so there we go. So if you like motorbikes, you love them, and I can understand I actually why.
6: wrecked last year.
0: Right. Okay. Oh,
6: sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh,
0: so, no, no, that's fine. I, I think we've moved away from the show, haven't we? Uh, we really have. I think we probably need to wrap it up. It's been a great one-hour post-show, which is fantastic. Now, Brian, uh, not Brian. Brian's the name of the artist. Uh, Paul, you sent me this yes. one last week called Jump, Jive, and, and Wait. Is it Wait? Yeah, I'm reading it. Jump, Whale. Jive, and Wait. Whale, jump, and Whale. And Whale, sorry. Let's see, my eyes are going. I'm very, very old. So I think we'll sign off with this, and then I'll, I'll say a few words after this. Okay, so this is by the Brian Setzer Orchestra. And if you don't know who Brian Setzer is, he had this enormous blonde quiff, didn't he? And he was, uh, when was he active? Late 70s, early 80s, something like this. And then he went on to do this. So this is quite tub-thumpingly grand. This is in the tradition of Jerry Lee Lewis. So there we go. We're just signing off with a couple of songs. Here we go. Ha ha ha
5: Well. Oh, you got to jump child Then you you got to jump child Then you you got jump child
0: And yes, that was Jump, Jive, and Wail by the Brian Setzer Orchestra. And uh, that was very, very good. I like that a lot. I, I told you
4: that was a rocking tune. And that's why I really wanted you to play it. But, uh, what a good
0: today. I, I think it was a cracking way to end this show. Uh, it really was. So we've covered uh, everything from A to B, something like that. Uh, my guest tonight has been Dennis Wise uh, which uh, if you've been tuned in you'll catch him over the first two hours or so, two and a bit hours, armed with a glass of baby sham, but he was called off to the rest of the party and jolly well decided to go, which is a jolly good thing he'll be back in a few weeks time, we'll have Dennis back hopefully as a regular returning guest uh, for the course of this year, uh, to keep covering more and more of the topics that we were already addressed. Um, I Currently, got uh, fast-running cheese and NY twat here in the. Although his real name is something Paul. else, it's Paul. Yeah, it's actually Paul, but uh, you might have to watch Paul it as in the New NY- York. Yeah, New York twat might actually stick, of course, which is a little bit upsetting for all of us. But never mind. And uh, that's it, really. For, <laughs> that's it, really, for this week. I think we're just over. Well, we're just over three hours. No, yeah, we are. We're just over the three-hour mark for the whole thing so 2 hours formal show and 1 hour post chat thanks for joining us uh, i'll be back again at the same time next week 8 p.m. in the uk 3 p.m. us eastern and we'll see if i can rustle up some interesting people to talk to next week i'm sure i will and uh, as i keep saying here once my schedule clears a bit it might take another month or so uh, the aim is to move to at least two shows a week and to uh, and to increase the speed and frequency of this thing so hopefully you'll join me uh we'll see you all next week and that's it really so Cool. Bye for now, everyone. Bye-bye.